What's up, Redemption? How you doing? John Hendricks here, as always, for a brand new episode of the Threshing Floor Podcast. On this episode, number 55, we've got a ton of information that's come out over the last couple of weeks. After not recording last week, we've got all of that to talk about. And I've got my buddy Jared Strauss on. You guys know him as him in the community. And we're going to be talking about all of this information and also touching a little bit about the current game state here in the early conversation that we got into. But hopefully you like it. And thanks for listening. All right, guys, what's up? How you doing? We are here with episode number 55, and we've got an old friend that has been on the podcast before, um, but you guys are probably aware that he has recently returned to the community, and we're happy to have him here. Mr. Jared Strauss, how you doing, Jared? Hi. Uh, thanks for having me on again. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. You seem to be a uh, one of those really well-liked guys in the community, so... Hopefully it helps uh, people enjoy the podcast a little bit more than just having me be boring and go over all this awesome news that's come out in the last couple of weeks. Hopefully. I um, People do tell me I have um, unique takes, however you want to interpret that. Well, see, that's good. Unique takes is, is great because it makes people at least listen to them. Exactly. You know, if they tell you that you have uh, boring takes – then, you know, we wouldn't be able to have you on the podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. But how has uh, how has life in Texas been treating you? It's been good. Um, during my uh, hiatus, it was um, a little quiet. It was kind of relaxing, not having my, uh, my brain go 100 miles an hour on redemption all the time. I, uh, I when I get into something, I go really hard into... I pretty much dedicate all of my energy into thinking about it in my spare time. Um, and it takes, it actually does take effort for me not to think about it. So when it came to redemption, like I was, I was thinking about the game all the time, all day, every day. Um, now that I'm back, I do it too, but I, I try to hold myself back just a little bit so that I don't uh, suffer any kind of burnout. So your, your time away was kind of a bit of detoxing and, and trying to avoid burning out. So to speak. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was trying to get the um, make it so that I could have a fresh take on some of the stuff like in the games, uh, like either for deck building and gameplay wise, as well as um, during the the meta that had evolved after Nationals with Type Two uh, without TC One. I I was not a big fan of people doing everything all the time all at once. So, um, but once TC1 came out, I was pretty excited about jumping back in. Yeah. Uh, so. I think that's a, that's a common thing. Like it's, it's not really fun when you consistently sit down and in the environment that we had, and I'm not, I'm not going to be that guy that can continuously talks about, about it, but, um, I will say it one more time, just for the record that when Jeremy is one of the guys in your state that you, you play a lot, Jeremy Chambers, Everyone knows he's building decks that are taking full advantage of the unlimited territory class stuff. So I felt a little bit more like, okay, now I can be more involved in games and 
you know, build a deck to try to uh, be more balanced and compete with Jeremy without trying to have to sell out to whatever the most recent combo is. So I was I was definitely excited when the rule was announced and we've gotten into that. And, you know, the fruit of that has kind of been exactly what we thought it would be. It's bearing the right kind of fruit, I think, in the fact that the game has slowed down a little bit more. You get a few more turns in the game and the back-and-forth ability to leverage um, your your cards against the opponent in battle is a much healthier game state than just the reckless, okay, I went first, now I'm blowing everything up in territory before battle. Yeah. Um, Josh, so Josh and I have, uh, I think we had differing opinions on the game. Because I went back and I listened to all the podcasts again um, when I when I came back about a month ago. Um, and I listened to the episode where Josh came on and he talked about balance and stuff and possible solutions. Um, and from what I gleaned from what he said, he really liked how systematic you could build your deck to make it almost like a machine, right? So when you drew your cards, if you went first, you could always use your deck to get through or to get to that, what your deck was trying to do. And the better you built your deck, the more um, consistent that was. And even if you went second, you could build your deck to be able to overcome an opponent's deck. And so there was a lot of, there was a lot of, metagaming and gaming in the deck building phase, I guess not even deck building phase, the, the deck building part of the game, which is good. Um, but what I like about TC1 and what it's done is I it has made that harder to do. I still think it's really possible and it's very, you're very capable of building a deck to do what you want it to do. It just can't do as much on that first turn, which is good unless you try to push everything into the battle phase, which is where it needs to be so that you can have interaction. It's the whole point of the battle phase that people can do as much as they want, as long as they have the initiative to do it to allow for interaction. Um, And if you're, if you're always firing off with something like a widow combo going through your entire deck and like locking down your opponent, so they literally can't do anything. That's not very interactive. So I like I really do like the way the where the game has um, been with TC One. I think a lot of people do, um, and it's really it's it sparked my I guess um, fire to to do a whole bunch of deck building. I've done so much deck building since I've been back. Yeah, I've also enjoyed when playing the the actual games now versus previously. I would build a, a lot of decks or like go uh, goldfish them. And then I wasn't playing the game as much because it's like, okay, well, I know what's going to happen. <laughs> I'm going to face someone that's playing whatever that top tier deck is right now. And then, so you kind of just, you know what they're going to do. And then like you would build decks knowing that the opponent's going to try to do this. So this is what I'm going to try to have in my deck to answer that. And you didn't necessarily need to play games as much. And now I think with it being more interactive, in the battle, and I, I think it's really great that in the games that I've played so far this season, it's kind of highlighted the battle phase, which is unique to Redemption versus other card games because it is back and forth instead of something like Pokemon where you're just comparing the numbers on cards and then resolving that that way. But yeah, I I think 
the fact that it's more open now to where it's like the game can go a bunch of different ways based on how that battle turns out versus, okay, I've got this awesome, you can't block this rescue turn one because I've done all this in prep phase. I think it just opens up the game and makes you have to play games to see how a deck's going to perform against a, a wide array of game states that you're going to encounter. And even that part of it makes it exciting because now you want to actually play those games versus I'm just trying to test and goldfish because I don't really want to get into those games where somebody pulls off the combo again on me. For sure. One of the things that I used to practice, one of my main practices when I was building for Nats was that you'd always goldfish for turn one. Um, and usually you'd goldfish to go first. Um, and you'd also have to have the backup if you went second, how you would how we goldfish to get to where you want to be on um, being the second player. Now I feel like when I'm goldfishing, I actually go turn one and two and potential blocks. Um, I feel like game plans have had to extend past the first turn and a lot of winning, um, or at least the, uh, if you look at the condition of the game after the first round, it's not entirely clear who has won the game yet. You, yes. you still have to keep playing to figure it out. Like I've I've lost, oh man, I've been successfully blocked twice in the first two rounds, and I still felt like I had a chance in the game. Which in, I think, before TC1 would have not been the case. I would have been like, oh well, I might as well surrender because I, I, there's no way I'm going to climb out of this. Yeah, and you can come out of that hole now even without something like a new beginning or a or a mass reset just by the fact that you can you can get a couple of blocks or different ways that make the game string along further to where they might have all these cards in their hand, but at some point you can slowly pick away at that and catch up as far as card advantage goes, and they're putting a lot of stuff down. So maybe they got a bunch of evil characters off of a big Matthew draw. They put them down in territory. Now they're susceptible to something like your own authority of Christ. And that can flip the game. Um, that could always flip the game before as well. But, you know, now with it just seems like the games are playing out to a point to where you can kind of mitigate that because at some point with these big draws and people that are being aggressive and still playing that aggro style, they're going to have to put some cards down at some point. Mm-hmm. And then if you can work through those, like, Outsiders Black Gold is so good right now. Come in, oh, CBP, sure. they've got board advantage, start underdecking stuff. I mean, that that dude is crazy good. And then you yeah. can underdeck stuff, get him low enough initiative, activate Herod's Temple, and then toss somebody down. You know, if mm-hmm. you if you want to do go that route. I did that at uh Tennessee State. That was pretty fun. Cause I was like in the middle of it. I was like, Oh yeah, he's a uh he's a uh New Testament human, so I can Herod's Temple, <laughs> and I got him down to like I don't know, like one on his number. Mm-hmm. So I got initiative and tossed someone down with their lone evil character. It was pretty cool, or a uh, lone hero. So that that's yeah, fun. he's he is fun, especially since um, if they come in with like their Matthew style band, and if they have somebody like Noah out, you can use your Herod's Temple before you block with outsiders, so that you're tossing, and then you just get rid of their entire board because <laughs> you under deck nine and they, I mean, they can respond with something like a dominant 
But if your Outsiders is underdecking all of their good characters, um, I'm pretty sure he just dies. I think he just goes to zero because he um, his XX is fluid. So if he yeah. reaches zero, he just disappears. Yeah, pretty nifty card. And it's nice to see cards like that getting solid play. And not that they weren't getting played before, but now they have like a purpose for coming out. And previously it was like a good draw or you would underdeck a couple of things, but now you can pull him out mid to late game while you still are still kind of behind and use him to flip that advantage. And he can be something that swings the momentum versus, oh, well, you have to have something bigger than that to swing the momentum previously is kind of how you felt because, um, I don't really know why. It just it felt like you had so many things against you that even removing mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff, they still had a bunch of stuff as well just because they could stu- uh, stuff all that counter potential in their deck but still have the speed and consistency to rescue. And I think breaking that up a little bit and making people sacrifice some of the consistency to have more balanced and more, uh, I guess, battle winners and things in their deck for the battle phase. So while they're building that, they're – losing a little bit of that consistency to where it's sometimes a, a game is a little bit of a crapshoot, especially in the early going. And I think mm-hmm. that is exciting for redemption to have that kind of just unknown potential at the beginning of the game when two decks are kind of feeling out how the game is going to go. Yeah, I agree. You, um, you touched on it. I think directly what you're thinking about it's, it's momentum. Each player now has more agency over momentum shifts. So I don't feel like I am incapable or incapable of changing the momentum back to my favor once my opponent already has it. Uh, The only thing that could do that prior, which is why I made such a big deal about Resetti, was a new beginning or three three nails. Um, And the reason to why that was is because it resets the game back to zero. And so I can rebuild and my opponent has to rebuild. And from that point, they have to play with the cards in their hand, and I have to play the cards in my hand. Now, every game is just like that. And you can have these little momentum shifts in between because people have to build up their board states. They can't just dump everything out of their deck at once. You have to, you actually have to work towards it. It takes a couple of turns to get a full turn through the deck. All right, I guess so you can churn through your deck enough to be able to get all the consistency pieces to do some of these large, crazy combos. Yeah. I think we had gotten to a point to where the game was so fast and quick-paced that people were at the point to where, like, something as good as Storehouse. Storehouse is a great card. Now, obviously, hand and deck protection, you run the risk, and this is the cool thing about card games like this, that you have interactions that potentially punish you for having that, but then a lot of times you need it, so it's kind of a, a a rock paper scissors thing. Like, do I have it? Do I do I need it? When I have uh, when I do need it, do I have it? And then do I have it when the opponent's going to take advantage of that? And you just kind of have different varia- uh, variations of the um, the pros and cons of that based on the game you're playing. Yep, and that's cool. Balances. But we uh, we had gotten to a point to where it was like storehouse is too slow. <laughs> storehouse <laughs> yes. is like you have to put it down and then it's not, it doesn't pay off until the next turn to where yeah. you get the, the reserve pull and the game has slowed down enough now to where it's like, that's a great card again. And then you have something like book of the covenant, which was like completely like 
nobody was playing it there for yeah. a while because it was like it's just kind of too, too slow. slow. And now it's like that card is awesome again. Yeah, and that is so funny because everybody was looking towards turn zero to get their stuff done for consistency and protection. They're like, turn one is too slow. We need turn zero stuff. <laughs> yeah, and now it's like just by this one rule, you've you've already you know brought back some playability to cards that people were saying was too slow. And I think that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, and it's just, it just shows the obviously everything's going to continue to evolve, and people are going to find out ways to you know improve on the consistency that they've lost with territory class. Like I think sites are another one that people had, you know, like they would play like Patmos obviously for Matthew, but Egypt is a really good card and oh, yeah. it it's basically a territory class card. And then you can put it down. Now you have to worry about it being prevented since it's uh CBI, I believe, but not CBP, but something like ends of the earth. If you wanted to play that, that's a good card, and previously people wouldn't wouldn't necessarily playing it. And I know you have to worry about the brigades as well, but like something like that in the right deck is a highly playable card now to help you yeah. offset and you know make your res- uh, rescues able to generate their own value by adding that to battle, getting a card. So, I think the game has completely changed from. I guess last time you were on and we were talking about potential changes to it. And like, I mean, so much so that we've spent 17 minutes now talking about just the cool, <laughs> cool spot the game's in. Um, but we've well, it's had, exciting, right? yeah. it, it absolutely is exciting, but um, we've had a ton of information come out in the last, last two weeks. I feel like I told you before we started recording here that I, I feel like there's something big that I'm going to miss here. I made this outline, and it's. I think I've got most of the stuff in here, but if I forget something, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, so much information has come out. We've got national promos. We've got the changes to the new starter decks. We've got the fact that the new starter decks are going to print. We've got, um, I didn't put it in here explicitly in the outline, but Israel's Rebellion is on pace to be released at nationals, and so... We should have that at Nationals along with the new starter decks being released at Nationals. So that's all exciting news. We've got tournaments starting to ramp up with states and regionals. And we've got, you know, content coming out by people making content like yourself. You've mm-hmm. got a, a couple of videos you've done recently. And it's just like, it's 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 here. It's It's like that point last year when we were about three months out. I feel like everything ramped up and it was like, nationals is like everything's pushing us in a tunnel toward nationals with all the hype and stuff. And I feel like we're right back there. I think we're like, um, 92 or 93 days away from nationals, something like that. I didn't look it up exactly. You already bought my tickets. Yeah. You bought your tickets. Yes, sir. Nice. I bought them this weekend or this past weekend. Nice. So I, I feel like everything's just going to continue pushing us toward that. And the fact that, we're now in my favorite part of the season, which is spoiler season, to where we've worked our way through the changes to the new starter decks. And now the only thing left for people to spoil, because we've got the national promos, is some of the Israel's Rebellion cards. And I've seen a couple of decks that Chris has, uh, quote-unquote, accidentally played at some tournaments. But, you know, at Mr. Classic and then at Kentucky State Tournament, but... The new set is awesome, uh, I think, especially considering the fact that they had to go back down to 129 cards 
and that's going to be kind of the model moving forward. Hundred uh, hundred and twenty nine card sets, and that's yeah. from Rob Anderson um, deciding to go back down to make it easier on his end. But I think from what I've seen, they've done a really good job of squeezing in a lot of support for different things, and then making those. Um, even though they're they're more focused on mono brigade and less multi brigade overall, still seem to be like highly um, cohesive and and competitive. It's kind of hard because I am forecasting just based on what I saw from from Chris piloting these decks. Okay, and that is Chris Fashman. Okay, so they can be even better than he played them. I'm sure. <laughs> not to knock you down, Chris, but I mean it's not Type Two Ruth. <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll see how it is. I'm I'm also excited to see the new stuff. Uh, people will be really. I think people will be really happy once they have it in hand. Yeah, absolutely. But I guess we'll start off before we get into any of the big the big stuff. We'll just go over the recent news that I normally do here, um, and just shout out the people that are making content for the community, and uh, kind of point you toward them if you want to see some gameplay and whatnot. So first up, we've got our good friend, um, Jaden Allstead, Mr. Classic himself. Uh, I wonder if he should, should we, should we try to talk him into changing his name to Redemption with Mr. Classic? (laughs) Could just be Mr. Redemption, because that's pretty much what he is, right? Yeah, I, (laughs) I mean, until, until somebody knocks him down a few, a few rungs, he, he seems to be kind of alone at the mountaintop these days but he has he has a couple of videos that have come out since last uh time we recorded a podcast and one of those is fresh postivity on paper and that is a game where he was not very nice to mr mark uh if you recall the community wild card that pulled off the big upset at mr classic i guess he was getting some retribution for the way that mark did his uh brother-in-law um, because that was not a very fun game for Mark. <laughs> uh, it, it just seemed like, you know, we, we talked about all the changes to the game and how, you know, you can, you can recover after a, a, mm. a big turn one for your opponent or something like that. Yeah. Nah, not if it's Jaden, <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, he didn't give much of an opening for, for Mark. And so you can go and watch that if you want to see how that works. And that is a deck that is featuring the Chamber um, Star of Bethlehem combo with the tokens and the Heavenly Host. So if you've you know heard people talk about that or seen it mentioned on one of the Discord channel uh, channels or something, you can go and watch that and see how it plays out. The other video is trying to um, exploit the Noah Shuffle ability to where he can shuffle dominance that are in play. And that is titled Grape Gate, which is something that I believe you might have brought uh, brought uh, some more clarification to. It, it was you and I think Agar the Wise talking about it. Yeah, so the original Grape, um, Infinite Grape combo thingy was Rob. Um, and then I just, uh, I, yeah, Jacob, Agar the Wise, and I were talking about it in the Z Temple Discord. And um, I realized that um, Gates of Jerusalem said defeated, but not by an opponent. And then Agar put it together with uh, uh, Grapes of Wrath. Yeah, which, you know, I threw I threw the name out there that uh, 
what was it? Gates of Wrath was a cooler name, but I guess Grape Gate has stuck. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, despite the name, Jaden this whole time, and he he admits it up front. So if you go and watch that, watch the deck thing, and he'll he'll tell you. But he's playing this game, aiming to do something that he found out afterwards was an illegal play, and unfortunately. He wasn't able to pull it off, but how cool would it be to see him have to like disqualify himself in a game because <laughs> he played that something? That would have been hilarious. But uh, you know, everything just happens to work out for Jaden. You know, even yeah. even when he's trying to do wrong, he he messes up and it's okay. So you can go and check those out, and obviously, you're going to get a lot of uh, a lot of the insight of why he put cards in the deck with the deck overview, and that's always fun to watch. Since he is, you know, by all accounts, probably the top active player at the moment. Hard to dispute that. So hard, yeah. It's hard to hard to say otherwise. Well, until nationals. Um, I guess the the next one on here is yourself, Mister Strauss. So, uh, you want to spotlight your videos that you've got out? Yeah, for sure. So, um, uh, the first one that I I came up with, I think it was two weeks ago at this point was uh, Voltron David. Um, I just had, this was an idea that I had. You just had 12 year. artifacts laying around, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, how could I make David more powerful? Um, now, the, the concept was um, King Signet Ring is a card that people don't play with a lot. Um, and it, a lot of it is because kings are kind of awkward to play, like a little underpowered, and especially during last year before TC1, just a little bit too slow. Um, but with when you Voltron David, quote unquote Voltron David, um, you use things like David's Harp, um, King Signet Ring, and Book of the Law, and you can pretty much get David to do anything. <laughs> he becomes uh, he becomes pretty hard to stop once you get him started. But that was that was kind of the idea. I wanted I just I did that more of a showcase of the fact that you can do interesting things with cards that nobody's really looking at. Um, and Kate's Signet Ring is one of those cards. So that was that was what that video was about. I also really wanted to make that thumbnail. <laughs> the David thumbnail with the, the laser eyes. Yeah. That's my phone background right now. So. You, you know, that reminds me of when I came up with the King Noah stuff. I was like, I don't know what it was, but I was, I was doing Genesis like counter stuff. And I was mm-hmm. like, Noah is such a good rescue that you can build like, a deck full of a bunch of counters and just kind of exploit him. And he yeah. he would do okay, but then there was like, you know, if somebody just got big numbers against him, you're just standing there and, and looking at the abyss and knowing that your 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 Noah's life is over. Yeah. And so then I tried to uh to find ways to maximize like, okay, when he goes into battle, just generate <laughs> all this stuff. And I I came across the card, a royal priesthood. No one was playing that card. Um, I, it had come out in Prophecy of Christ, and I, I had seen it, but didn't think anything of it. And then I was like, oh, no, I put it on Noah. He converts. He's purple. He triggers Throne, the old school Throne. Yeah. And then he gets to draw a bunch of cards, uh, and then he gets to potentially play. Then you can use Hidden, uh, what is it, Hidden Treasures was the card, because he's a green prophet. Mm-hmm. And then you've got um, Book of the Law on your Solomon's temple to do all that. And then you have Ark of salvation that if your flood survivor attacks, you can take a Genesis card. So it was like taking all this and 
getting all these resources from the reserve and it was it was pretty cool and uh i remember i don't know exactly the term uh, i don't think it was voltron but it was just like jay chambers had a way to describe it it was like yeah you're just putting all this you're basically beefing up noah with all this armor saying hey meet me on the battlefield and it was like kind of the the same i guess that you're doing here with david yeah it's, it's practically the same except david's getting initiative and you have uh Bathsheba to make him choose the blocker so yeah um that was that was pretty much the main part that i wanted to show people was the fact that you could stack triggers like that so you could stack the Bathsheba trigger and then get the um the King Signet Ring trigger to be able to immediately delete their character before they even have a chance to do anything. So, yeah, that was the that was the first video. The second video, um, that was just this weekend. It took me a little longer to compile all the stuff that I needed for it, but I wanted to get gameplay and the deck out to people. So I had a game. Um, the game I played was against See the Tree or Chad, and I'm highlighting Empty Tomb and Sadducee Pharisee's defense. So Sadducees, Pharisees on defense, I feel like is a little overshadowed right now by the three new defenses that we got from GOC phase two. So you have Herods and uh, Thebes as well as the uh, uh, demons. Yeah, those three. Um, But there are also Pharisees and Sadducees. And so we have a lot of really strong Pharisees and Sadducees that people mostly aren't playing because they don't play meek souls. And, um, you also have the participation promo that we got at Nats, which is Nicodemus. He's also very good. I didn't have him in that deck or that I showcased, but he is somebody that I would put in the list. Um, and then I have showed, of course, the Empty Tomb. They are also an offense that's a little overlooked right now. Um, and it's mostly just because they're awkward. They're really awkward to play. Their effects are very specific, but... I found that the key to playing the deck is not to try to force your opponent always to block from hand, but it's more of the threat that you generate if they do block from hand that forces them to dump into their territory, and then you deal with their territory, which you can do a lot of different ways. One of those is choose the blocker with Joseph of Arimathea into something like an AOC or... uh, um we call it great commission or power of the spirit yeah those are the videos if you want to check them out they're on the youtube channel him um it's on the discord if you want to look for it i haven't i haven't watched the new empty tomb one but i did watch some of the uh the voltron david so i feel like i feel like i've given you half of you so (laughs) you can be proud of the half of you that you've you've garnered from myself so If you only have a short period of time, I put a timestamp in the description to watch just the gameplay, and that's against Chad. And the gameplay is only about 20 minutes, 18 minutes long, because I ended up, I double-timed it, and then I also kind of like skipped through some of the parts where it was downtime, and I did commentary commentary over it. I'm also planning on doing commentary for this weekend, because it is uh, South Central Regionals here in Texas. Nice. Probably some video content coming of that. Cool. That's that's definitely fun to uh, to have some tournament gameplay, official tournament gameplay to look forward to. Not that yes, not that we knock the uh, the unofficial tournaments, but when people show up with real cards and they're they're playing the deck that they want to to push and try to win with, I feel like the stakes are a little bit higher and it's more fun to watch those. 
not that the others aren't as fun. And now I've put myself in a, a spot to where it makes it sound like I'm bashing the others, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Mr. Uh, Jake or Jacob Ager the Wise, he has a uh, gameplay video on his channel. And I would put the title, but it looks like the title is more of a date timestamp type thing. But it's gameplay for the Lackey Grand Prix against Red Wing. And if you want to go and check that out, you can go and see that. I have not watched it yet, but I, I just wanted to make sure that people knew that it was out there if you wanted to see some some more gameplay. Because I know some people like to eat up the gameplay because it's kind of an alternate way to playing certain decks if you see how they operate to at least know what to expect playing against them. That's always valuable, and the more we get people to check that type of content out, the more people will want to make that content. So make sure you go yeah. and check that out if, you, if you're interested. For sure. I guess that brings us to the fact that uh, the Lackey Grand Prix number nine, I believe, is where we're at, and then the Zoom Discord Invitational Series 11. Both of those unofficial tournaments are ongoing. Um, so if you've signed up for those, make sure that you – are getting your games in, um, even if you're not doing so well like myself. <laughs> but uh, make sure you get your games in. And if you hear about those and you have not taken advantage of those, it's a great way for you to play people that you wouldn't normally play against because you're not in the same area or maybe you aren't an outgoing person on Lackey, for instance. But if you sign up for this one game a week, it doesn't kill you and actually lets you see a variety of other decks and play styles. And two players can play the same exact deck two different ways with all the same cards in there just because they use the cards slightly differently. And that's the cool thing about having cards that have different levels of versatility because they can be played in different ways. So um, if you're interested in, in seeing you know some different different approaches to the game, these unofficial tournaments are a great way to do that. So Yeah. Hundred um, percent. It's one of the reasons why I'm starting up the uh, the unofficial weekly tournament, the webcam tournament. Oh yeah. The, what is it? Hymns House of Highlights. Hymns House of Highlights is kind of what we're settling on right now. It's it's subject to change. Hymns House of Horror. If you're losing. <laughs> or havoc. If you're really thrashing somebody. Yeah. There you go. Um, but that that I really want to get off the ground. I've got to talk to Zach the Gamby. Um, to see if we can get those channels made in the Discord, or I might just have to end up making my own Discord. I don't want to make another Discord for it, just because I feel like there's so many out there already. Yeah, I, feel <laughs> I don't want to have people join a new one. So it's like, come to um, Redemption. We've got 3,500 cards and 35 Discords. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one for each brigade or each division of tournament, and all different states and so on and so forth. So yeah, the um, I want to have that on the main Discord, and I've gotten permission to do so. I just have to put it together in a time, and I'd really love to hear back from people about when they feel is the best time. I know that it's not, I think most people are not going to be able to attend to play multiple rounds at the same time, um, but I'd like to have it on a day where it is the most accessible for people to do that. And I think that's probably Friday evening or Saturday at some point. So I'm really trying to push for that. I just haven't gotten a lot of feedback. So I'm tentative to pushing it um, to like just start doing it because I, I don't want to start it on a day and then everybody be like, man, I wish I could come, but I just can't do that day. So if you have input, please let me know. <laughs> yeah. I also think that something like that, if you get 
a lot of people interested and you can't squeeze it all in at, at one time um, to kind of keep the spirit of what you're trying to do. You could probably split it up to where it's like this Saturday and then next Saturday we'll finish, pick up where we left off type thing. Because um, yeah. I think you're – hopefully it gets to a point to where you're like, oh, we can't fit all these games in at one time because you have so many people participating. But probably not going to be the issue starting out. But I could see that kind of going that way just because, I mean, it's hard for people to do the um, the official tournaments on Saturday sometimes because you've got to dedicate a chunk of the day. Oh, and, for sure. you know, redemption being a hobby, we all want to play it all the time. But you kind of have to balance the, the whole – work, family, all of that in with this is a hobby. So, Yeah, yeah, and it's a little bit more difficult to do um, by a webcam. It's it's easier. So when you play at a brick-and-mortar store, it's a lot easier to be like, hey, I know, or I know that this day, say like Wednesday at 6 p.m., I go to this store to play this game for two to three hours, and then I come home. Um Redemption doesn't really have a set weekly time slot for that. And that's kind of what I want to fill. It's kind of like the, for Redemption, it's got to be something more like three to four hours instead of two to three, just because Redemption games take so long to play. But what I might end up having to do is just put a little bit of pressure on people and have them play maybe like 40 minute games (laughs) Uh, to see if we can't squeeze, um, as much time out of it as we can to make it a little bit consolidated Do so that 30 it is minutes. only two to three. Do oh 30 man, minutes. 30 but, minutes dude, would be killer fast. It would be, but I feel like it would make people, oh, I've got 30 minutes now, so I speed up. And honestly, would probably make them better to uh, not play into timeouts as much. Um, I've, I used to be one of the worst because when me and Brad first started out playing, it was like, okay, it would be time now, but let's play it out and see how it would go. <laughs> Yeah, and, yeah sorry. and that is might... the the worst thing to do if you're trying to condition yourself for tournaments. <laughs> the worst, and I'm like I I think I've fully broken the habit now, uh, because I especially with one territory class, I'm like, okay, boom, battle. What are we doing here? And I feel like a lot of times now I'm waiting on the other player to make a decision, uh, and hopefully. I know that there's times where they're waiting on me to make a decision, but hopefully that time is a lot more sped up versus what it was before in the past couple of years where I've been trying to work myself out of that. Oh, uh, let's see what would happen and then do it. It, it also comes down to knowing your deck a lot better, which yes. I've learned the value of that. So that makes it a ton more um, streamlined. So yeah, don't, don't build your deck the day before a tournament. All right, John early. <laughs> <laughs> And just a shout out, um, Jay Chambers here. Um, Jay Jay wanted to to make sure everybody knew that we should start playing faster. Redemption players to play too slow, so we gotta we gotta speed it up. So yeah, we speed, get more games in. Speed it up, or the pastor is gonna get on to us. Oh yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uh, tournaments and um, whatnot, I do have official tournaments from Tennessee State that Ooh. was two weeks ago, or I mean not. Fully two weeks ago, but weekend before last. Man, time is really kicking my butt right now trying to keep up with things. Um, anyway, so we'll just get into the results here. It was a, a smaller field. Uh, it was, it was uh, I think, prom for a couple of Chris's students, and then Tyler wasn't able to make it. Um, Brian wasn't able to make it, and he didn't bring his 
his kids, his group of kids from the school there in Kentucky down. So it was a smaller field, but it was a good time. Closed deck, so sealed deck. Um, Chris Fashman won that. And Jace Hunter, I believe, is what this says. Chris's handwriting is not the easiest to uh, <laughs> to read, and I don't recall uh, the first name off off offhand. But Jace Hunter came in second, and Declan Hunter came in third. Uh, booster draft: Jeremy Chambers won, and myself came in second. That was a we ended up having a really good game. He had a a he basically built a full on till deck, and mm. I mean just such a good deck he built. And I had minimal rescues and blocks just because the heroes were pretty scarce, and then finding enhancements to match was even more scarce. But yeah. ended up being a good game. I think it was like five four, and Philip Anderson came in third. Uh, type one two player. I hate to say it, but Jeremy did win that. He beat me five to four in a great game. We had a fantastic game that was back and forth and had a couple of those, like we talked about at the beginning of this, those smaller momentum swings to where it was like, okay, what's going to happen here? And he, um, I mean, I had to do it, but he intentionally kept faith in his hand, I believe it was, to uh, bait me into a Matthew and then and then he went herdsman on the other side, Ooh. and I mean, it was it was okay. Like you don't you don't know faith's in the hand, and Matthew is a solid rescue option uh, to get you card value and not get it right. Mm-hmm. So, but in the end, I think what really cost me was at one turn I went in with um, um, Simon, maybe. I forget who I went in with, but I forgot to turn a crossover. Uh, it was on the uh, artifact pile. And when I did that and went into battle and realized it, uh, we both, you know, had a conversation about it. It was like, yeah, that that, that just cost me the game. <laughs> so, I mean, but for it to be close like that, I mean, solid game. Um, Brandon Wade came in third there for type one two-player. Uh, type two two-player? Take a guess who won. <laughs> Jeremy Chambers, yeah. number two in that, or came in second, was Mr. Chris Fashman. And Ooh. myself came in third. And for teams, there was a tie for first. So me and Jeremy and Sean Seavers and Brendan Wade tied for first. Sean and, and Brandon and then me and Jeremy didn't want to play out <laughs> additional games. So that's where we ended. And then Nathaniel and Joseph Swanson, or Swenson, Swinson uh, got third. So that is the results for Tennessee State Tournament. And we all have some beautiful new promos of that Genesis Angel. So we're all happy. So cool. It is cool. I wish it was a little bit easier to get into battle or uh, into like a banding chain without an interrupting band. But it is what it is. It's, It's an awesome card, and I'm glad to see Blue getting some cool support. Which, uh, mm-hmm. stay tuned for Israel's Rebellion. Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, I guess, speaking of spoiler alert, we uh, Land of Redemption has, they have two things. So first I'll tell you that the most recent is an Elisha, uh, Elisha and the Two Bears devotional. 
That is Elisha, not Elijah. Elisha and the two bears. And that is that was recently posted, so I have not, you know, taken the time to read that yet, but I plan on it. So go and check that out. It's also it's always cool to see people interlace devotionals with the game since we always talk about how it's, you know, a cool tool to share our faith and whatnot and use it in our hobbies. It's kind of cool to see people writing out devotionals based on the game or including the game in those. So definitely want to support that, and you guys should go check that out. But also on Land of Redemption is Peek Behind the Curtain Part 2 from Chris Fashman. Part 1 was from Tyler Stevens. Part 2 is from Chris Fashman, and these two are kind of the brainchild for Israel's Rebellion and um, I guess mostly for the starter decks as well. So you can go and find a lot of information there. It's a lot of information that we're actually going to work on covering through the rest of this podcast episode. But if you want to get the, you know, from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Sorry, Chris, I didn't mean you look like a horse, but <laughs> <laughs> you know where to go if you want the uh, from the source directly. And that's Land of Redemption, so... Lots of good information in there. Now, the next thing that I have on here is a guy by the name of Daniel the Creator, and he is doing some redemption reimagined stuff to where he is redesigning like the card phase, some set uh, like booster packs, booster boxes uh, that he did before. All of this can be found, I believe, in the Card Creations channel. And you can go and check that out, but he has a blog site at redemptionreimagined.com. That's all you have to put in, redemptionreimagined.com. And you can go to his blog site. And he's got two posts up currently at the time of recording here. And the first one shows you what good dominance, evil dominance, and then artifacts would look like in his reimagined world. And the second one shows you what an evil character, and he chose to use Red Dragon here, which is a good one because it's a card that's, you know, seeing some play right now, but it's it's one of those cards that's kind of popular for just the fact that it looks really cool. Yeah. But you can see his new card design. He's, he's completely revamped everything, and had the game been like this from the, the beginning when I got introduced, I would think that this card, card design looks really, really great. Uh, definitely beats Angel Wars. That's that's always the first step. Does it beat Angel Wars? And anything beats Angel Wars. So <laughs> here we are. But what do you think about this? Uh, and have have you gone and looked at all of his designs? So so they grow they've grown on me. Um, I originally I was not huge on the way that his card designs looked, but over time they've looked they look better and better to me. I I think it's hard. For someone like me, who's a little bit more entrenched in the way that cards look now, to see how good it is, just because there's a bias. But from a objective standpoint, it is definitely a good card design. He's got a lot of cool features. Um, his unique icon is neat. I, I oh yeah, that absolutely. Um, that that is really nice because it does help with um, telling when something is unique. I, I mean. You, for the most part, in 95% of cases, you know when a card is unique. But there's also corner cases that are a little bit confusing. That sometimes you know, I would like to have an icon like that to be able to tell. 
Um, the other thing that I really like is the color coordination of his cards is really neat. Um, his stuff is, is fairly well color coded to where you can tell the difference between certain things. So um, the entire brigade icon being the same color is nice because then um, you can kind of tell it, it's it's a little bit easier to see what a color is and then he's got that top border there i think is also red which might be to share for for evil characters all evil characters might have that red border or it might just be for red dragon since he's kind of an orange color it's got that dark burnt orange to it which is nice and then the um colorblind symbol or the brigade color actually being printed out for people who are colorblind is also quite nice yeah i think there's a lot of like design elements that he has here that we don't currently have that would be really cool to have i don't know how you fit them on the existing card face like if you were to want to implement some of these but the way that he laid it all out here is really well done um, I think some people talked about his, his weapon class icon, maybe not being the, the puzzled one to where like the weapons complete one half of the shield. And then the other one is completed by the character. But I mean, I, I think it's, it's pretty straightforward enough to know. And I did ask him about, um, today he also, or it might've been yesterday, but he shared what Elijah and glory would look like. And it's a cloud card, not just from Cloud of Wit, uh, like not a cloud card from Cloud of Witnesses, but a cloud icon card. And that, um, unfortunately, does still cover up the artwork a little bit. And he puts the cloud icon under the uh, brigade box and and our icon box. Um, but the reason, and I asked him about it, was he didn't want to crowd because there's some, you know, like. Father Abraham, for example, is is a warrior and a cloud, and then you would get kind of busy there on the line. But I do like the fact that you have the verse here. You have it, uh, you know, kind of prominent on this card face, and then also has the testament icon, which I think is super cool, uh, especially for people that are not familiar with the Bible. If you're trying to use this as a tool to reach out, I think that would be really cool if we had had something like that. Um, and it's, it's, this is one of those things to where it's really cool, but you just want to appreciate what, uh, what he's doing here and not necessarily like, oh, this is so much better than what we have or something. And, and we should scrap what we have and, and do this. Cause I really do like the, the card design that we have and, and what we're shifting to. And I think it being more of a simpler layout than this, because this is pretty extravagant, um, mm-hmm. will make it appeal to probably more um more people overall because this kind of feels more like it feels like a pokemon style card yeah you know yeah, or, or like what is it like digimon is another one digimon or like a Yu-Gi-Oh. yeah um where it's just got a lot going on yeah but i mean it, it's really well done for for what it is and I, I like so many of the elements here especially like one of the things that he's got here is the collector info so like we already have you know, a card is number one of a set, but is it one of 129? I like having the total count there along with the rarity. And his sword icon for, like, simplifying the redemption icon into just the, the flaming sword mm-hmm. is 
I think that's the best thing that he's designed so far. Like, it's just so simple and it looks so great. Yeah. Of the icons that he's designed, I like that one the most. Yeah. So, definitely, uh, you guys should go and check out that. It's, it's kind of cool to follow along with that. I'm really enjoying seeing that and then going back to kind of what booster packs could have looked like. Definitely fun to, to look and see what, you know, someone else could have designed the game looking at, you know, with all of the the history of the, the game to, okay, well, this has been an issue if we redesigned. So, you know, he's working with a little bit more information than the people that initially designed the game. So you got you to gotta understand that that's making it a little bit easier to be like, oh, we should use a New Testament icon or something, for instance. Because mm. you've got the history of the game to where people's like, hey, we could use that. And now he's like, okay, well, I'll throw that in my design. But it's just cool to see overall how he ties everything in together. And I'm interested to see other card types. You know, like what, what do enhancements look like? What do, uh, could you imagine this design? Like, I'm, I don't know how he, how he would fit it, but imagine a, a meat flip character. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's going to be hard to fit all of that. And I'm interested to see if he, you know, he tackles that and how he would pull that off. But it's definitely a fun little journey to be following along with here. Yeah, for sure. I think his his work is really inspiring um, for for elders and just for players and stuff to see. Because he's branching into a, a niche that I don't think a lot of people are, are really traversing into, which is uh, card creation. Um, we saw a little bit this past weekend with lead Luke Marshall was showing how he does some card alterations. Oh, yeah, man. Those are things where... Those things were fantastic. Yeah, that's great. A lot of a lot of these alternative card um, stuff or proxy style cards and stuff. Gabe does some of this stuff personally for himself, but a lot of the community, I think, it's it's not really explored within the community. So it's great to see more people diving into this sort of, um, I, I guess, part of the hobby because it is a part of the hobby. It's just not something that people regularly do because they're focused on deck building or, or playing. Yeah, and it's it's also one of those things to where even though we can't completely throw out what we have and go with some other design, but a mention of, you know, like having the having the icon there for New Testament, Old Testament, or having the total set count, so one of 129, you know, elders could look at that and be like, oh, that's something that we, we could try to incorporate if it's something they feel is needed, but seeing it put it on a card face or something like this, or seeing someone take the time to redesign and see, Oh, there's something that we could be doing better. Um, that type of thing. And I get, I guess that has its place for helping the elder see where they could improve on card design and, you know, putting most information on the, uh, as much information on the card as possible. I know there's been a lot of talk about, um, you know, like the colorblind having the, the actual brigade color printed out, seeing it here, seeing what it would look like. I mean, it can't hurt for elders to be able to see that. So uh, definitely think it, it's kind of a cool niche area that, uh, like you said, doesn't get explored very much. So, again, yeah. just enjoying following along with that, uh, that design uh, project. And then I think he mentioned something else about, like, redesigning uh, Magic-style cards and, like, what redemption cards would look like within the game of magic or something like that, which magic's not my forte. I never played that. I've been around people that played it and I've seen cards. 
so I'm aware of it, but it's not something that I've played personally. Um, there, there is a large contingent of Magic players within the community, um, just because of proximity to card games. Yep. So it will be cool to kind of see what those designs look like. Um, and I think a lot of people will appreciate it. I know John will probably get a good kick out of it. Um, yeah. Mr. Early. So definitely uh, some cool things to look forward to. But I guess we'll we'll kind of change gears here and we'll get into some of the big news. You know, I mentioned that uh, we were going to skip over a lot of the content that was in Chris's article, part two of Pete Behind the Curtain, because it's kind of what we're going to talk about here on the podcast episode, but Israel's Deliverance Starter Decks. Um, you were there at Nationals last year when they came out, uh, so you've, uh, even in your time away, you've, you've seen what they look like, and now you come back, and now they're being spoiled of what the final product looks like and, you know, simplifying some abilities. So overall, let me, before we go into any details, how excited are you for these, and do you think they're better now than the first uh, iteration that you had put in your hand at nationals last year all right so i do actually have these in front of me um see that's what he- i'm talking about getting your homework in <laughs> being prepared um so the original designs are really cool um one thing that i do appreciate that they did is the color coordination i think color coordinating them by brigade as well as card type is very beneficial. Um, I I am somebody who can appreciate the artistic license of a well-designed background. And I think Gabe does a wonderful job of that. I think Jerusalem in uh, the, the newest set, Gospel of Christ, that looks great. The background for that looks awesome, and it only adds to the card. But... For the sake of simplicity and accessibility, it's probably easier for people to be able to identify a card, especially from their background, because color is one of the first things that we see when we look at a card, as well as artwork. And so if you can tie both of those together, it's definitely a big boon for people who are trying to learn the game. Um, Even if you're an experienced player, you might not realize it, but there is there is a difference. Um, and it is it does definitely help, especially when you're flipping through your cards. So, for instance, I know um, when you're playing in person and you're trying to find a card, so you're searching in your deck to try to find a card, much easier if you can look at the border rather than trying to flip through the entire thing. Because like, usually what I do is I'll search by the brigade or the, the brigade box in the corner. Having the entire card background to look at to find that is a lot easier. Yeah, I definitely think that they look better now than they did before. And that's not to say that they didn't look good before, but the the choice on the, the borders was kind of like, it's cool because there's no white on it. First of all, it was cool. And uh, I think we can all agree that having the color spill out all the way to the edge is cool mm-hmm. in and of itself. But um, like why were certain, certain cards, certain colors like the, in, it's, it's hard to answer that, and knowing that one of the questions that new players ask all the time is, is there a reason for the border, or is there does the color yeah. of the border mean anything? And it's so simple to just be dismissive of it, because I was for, like, the first, like, two years involved in the game. I'm like, no, it doesn't mean anything. Move on. <laughs> like, yep. quit quit dwelling on it. But players are going to come in contact, and they're going to ask that question. 
And now the fact that that question has an answer to where you can say, yes, it means something. It means that this is a purple brigade hero because it's got mm-hmm. a purple border or it's a black enhancement because it's got a black border, a white border, white enhancement. I mean, it just, it makes sense, right? And now having a a competent answer to give to that question versus, no, nah, it doesn't mean anything. But, you know, when we first started this or, or maybe when I was uh, messaging you on Discord, I told you, be be willing to go down any rabbit trails that come across so that we can... uh you know, get as much out of this recording as possible. So here's a rabbit trail for you since you uh, pushed us this way. All right. You mentioned that Gabe does a really good job with the borders. And mm-hmm. it, like we both acknowledge, especially in a starter deck, having the borders match the brigade makes sense. Um, and for future card design, I think it makes sense as well to move in that for the majority of cards. But here's the kicker. Um, I mentioned before that Israel's Rebellion is on pace to be released at Nationals. Like, testing has worked in a favorable enough scheduling time frame that we should be able to get those cards to print and have them for Nationals. Does the game need to return to alternate borders for Nationals if these borders replace the current cool borders that have been found on cards? I personally would like to see these as like the main release and then go back to the the cool chase element or hey i got them first at nationals element of you know these cool bordered cards like cloud of witnesses alternate border revelation of john alternate border is still a really great looking set mm-hmm. um so what do you think about that do you think we we should have a an alternate border version of this that releases at nationals that would be cool. There is quite a lot of chase in that. I mean, I have, so I have my, my collecting binder here and I do, I do actually collect the alternate border cards. Um, personally, I think, I think they should do it again because I'd love to have more in circulation of these alternate border cards. Um, so I, I actually, I'm fortunate enough to have two black gold outsider alternates. Um, nice. and I, I just like the way that they look, they look a lot better, but it would be cool to see more like that because the cool thing about, um, I think you are pluses versus regular URs. So you have the choice to pick personally. I like the way that the regular resurrection looks. I don't actually, I'm, I'm not, I'm preferable to the regular versus the ultra rare plus. Now I understand oh, why you want on. the ultra rare plus. Yeah. I understand why you want it, but so, uh, hold on, hold on. Because I was in the same boat. I was like, because my OCD was triggered at first. I was like, why is it not centered? It, it bothers me. But obviously <laughs> it's not centered because it's trying to, in a still image, capture the the action, the, the movement that would be happening as like, you know, the resurrection is happening. And you, right. you see that lantern or, or whatever shaking. The reason it's off-centered is to get that in the picture so that it looks like action is happening and after, you know, playing with the cards, holding the cards in, in hand a couple of times, I'm completely flipped on that. Like, you can have the regular version. The Ultra Rare <laughs> Plus is where it's at, homie. If if I get the Ultra Rare Plus and it sways me in the same way it swayed you, I might change my mind. But if we look at something like, let me flip through my book. One second. Um... Eventually, I think 
there might be people out there, I am not one of them, who prefer the original artwork for Gabriel. It's possible. Now, I'm again, I'm not one of them. I like the I'm way not that one the of them either. plus Gabriel <laughs> looks. But at the same time, the regular Gabriel artwork on a scale of 0 to 10 is probably an 8.5 or a 9. It's, in, it's in cool really factor. good. But yeah. then the other one is like a 12 out of 10. Blows my mind, <laughs> the other one. Yeah. The other one, dude, I'm, I'm, you should you should get the comic books. And the way that it, it looks on the cover of the comic, the way that that character looks throughout the comics, dude, I want to get mine framed just so that I can hang it up in my little podcast closet here and look at it more often. You gotta, you gotta send me a link so I can, uh, I can get that. Yeah. It's, it's super cool. The other one I like too is, um, I go back and forth on this, the cross, oh, the alternate yeah. cross. I like the way that the original one looks, the normal but the, they have their different charms to them. So it's like a day of the week sort you, of thing. Like yeah. I have both. You can't hold so. down Carl Bloch artwork. Come on, man. The, they're the, both I good. Like, I like the plus one on that one. Not yeah. and, and this is, I mean, I guess I'm agreeing with the elders because I'm liking all the pluses more. So it seems like they made <laughs> the right decision in my mind. But it's the fact that that one is more vibrant and the colors are sharper. Um, oh. And I like that part of it. I like the lines on the JJ Tussaud. It, it, there's just so many. There's it. It. I don't know. It pulls so much attention just because there's so much symmetry and angulation and like yeah. um, square squares. And then that's so. the one that has uh, the people on the ends of of them as they're putting the cross up or something like that. Yeah, which yeah. shows you a little bit more of the scene of how it would have like how they would have actually crucified someone back in that those days. So. I mean that yeah. that's still a good a good artwork choice there. Mhm. And I think I think that's the point, right, of having these alternate border stuff is that it gives people the option of being able to chase something for rarity but also for artwork. I like having one of both, I like being able to have one of a regular Gabriel and an ultra rare plus Gabriel. Um because I like having them together in my binder to be able to look at. Yeah. Same thing with the cross. But when it comes to cards like David Hart After God, I just like the way that the regular David Hart After God looks. I like the comic book version versus the the classical art. So, okay, well that's that's fair, I guess. I mean, you can be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, I guess back to the 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 original question here, or, or the original discussion is the the borders and. So to acknowledge this, Cloud of Witnesses and um, not not Prophecy of Christ, Fall of was it Fall of Man? Um, um, Fall of Man, I think, was the last one. I think Fall of Man was the last one that had the different borders. Uh, Fall of Man did not have different borders. Did, it so it not. was Revelation of John that had the last. That was the last one that had different. Borders. Okay, yeah. Okay, I, I guess that's right. Um, I just remember the flood survivors and I guess most of them came out of fall of man, but you could get yeah. some from what is it? Cloud of witnesses that had the, Cloud of witnesses, the, yeah. the rain droplets. And mm-hmm. then they ended up just putting rain droplets on the ones in fall of man. So then at fall of man, these cool borders just started being the, the official Regular release, board, yeah. but now we're losing those cool borders to go with these colored borders. Uh, potentially, I don't know what the elders have planned, but it seems like, this is the perfect time for them to bring back alternate borders. So 
We're going to start a uh, start a chant, guys, in the community. We're going to say, <laughs> bring back alternate borders. We want the chase. I think the game, it, it only serves to benefit the game to create chase, you know, pieces, chase sets, or versions. Like, I, I personally wouldn't mind having first edition printed on some cards. And, you know, the first print run, having first edition to where you could chase first edition, something like that. Um, not that I'm a collector or anything, right? Uh, yeah. But I think just having that in the game is cool. And I think one step back towards that would be cool to bring back alternate borders. So start the conversation in the Discord. Tag every elder you know. We want alternate borders, okay? Bring them back. I agree 100%. Yep. The um, the alternate borders would look great as national or like first edition promos. But the uh, color coordination is much better for accessibility. Yes, so. I, I agree there 100%. So, um, I guess we'll get into some of the uh, the more specific details about the starter decks. So, we originally were going to have a fundraiser to raise funds for the starter decks. And if we did not raise the appropriate funds, the cards were going to be printed with two less cards. Um, they were going to cost more, and there was not going to be a wholesale option to where uh, Rob could offer those at a discounted price to church groups and and people that are involved with churches and uh, to the retailers and all of that. So with a recent change, I guess, uh, I believe they were going to a different printer and maybe Rob just decided he could, he could come out of pocket for it uh, without the fundraiser. However, he'd made that decision, but that decision was made for him to fund them entirely. So no fundraiser needed for the starter decks. They've actually already been sent to print and are, being prepped for a release at nationals. If you look on Cactus website, it says coming this summer. I asked Chris uh, about it at Nash, uh, it being available at nationals. And the point is, or the plan is for it not to release through Cactus until nationals. And then it would be made available after that um, as a public release. So Israel's deliverance is sent to print. It will have the 256 card decks, so we did get the additional cards, and it will have the $20 price tag. So it seems like it will have the wholesale option as well, since uh, all the uh, the other things that were tied to that seem to have happened with having the extra cards and keeping the $20 price tag. Um, these starter decks are planned to be ready and will debut at Nationals. So I assume that that means they will be used for sealed deck, um, although I would say that we could be patient and wait for official clarification or official word on that. Um, but if they're releasing at nationals, I assume they'll be used for sealed deck. I would assume the same. Yeah. But my daddy told me what assuming did a long time ago. So <laughs> I'm going to let you guys, uh, wait with me on the official word there. <laughs> um, but we have seen some of the changes to the decks and we'll go over some of those here, but we know that several characters, um, in on the, the, I forget which letter it is. I believe it's the L starter deck for the uh, Moses side of the offense and whatnot. A lot of those characters picked up the wilderness tag or identifier. Yes, yeah, L. And yeah. that's that's pretty cool. I I am very intrigued by this new wilderness identifier, and I think I think especially when you realize that we're going to fewer brigades because, hey, spoiler alert, we'll talk about it later, but the game's losing some brigades. And 
there's reasoning given for that in that article, and we're going to go over it later, but with less brigades, um, people don't like unity either, but using identifiers and having a new identifier adds some new creativity to the game. Um, new identifiers and using identifiers within brigades. So if used by whatever identifier, do this. is kind of built in unity and allows cards that share the same brigade to not be just overly splashable because, hey, it's in the same brigade and there's less brigades now. So I'm... I'm a big fan of the wilderness thing. Plus I've seen a wilderness deck from Chris and the thing looks awesome. And then it also parlays into the participation promo for nationals, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but wilderness identifier, I am all for it. I, I love that they have, you know, found a way to bring on a new identifier and it gives kind of a subset of white instead of just, Hey, these guys are all white and now white has white you know, you have kind of built-in limitations with it to where, hey, wilderness is now um, kind of a subsidiary because we've got a lot of white out of all the last sets. I mean, yeah. there was there was a decent amount of white in LOC and GOC, and now here we go, third set in a row. But using that identifier is going to be cool to uh, to break it up a little bit. Yeah, most games and most games do that, right? Because they want to build in restrictions, especially games that don't have a centralized um, resource system. So, like Yu-Gi-Oh, you you would know that in Yu-Gi-Oh that most decks are confined to a smaller set or pool of cards that they can use because a lot of them only work with each other. So they require you to have a tune uh, monster, I think, or like a cyber something. I don't know. I'm not particularly keen on the stuff when it comes to you. You have to have a tuner. Uh, last time I played Yu-Gi-Oh, which was a while back, like a decade plus over a decade, you had to have a tuner and then you had to have a non tuner. And then those could merge to make a synchro monster. Um, yeah. And then they got rid of that. And then they started having X, Y, Z monsters or something. And then it's just like, okay, I'm I'm out of this. This just makes no sense at that point. Um, and then I quit playing trading card games until you know one one fateful day. Uh, Brad was like, "Hey, Lifeway is selling these cards." Yeah, so. yeah, and it's 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 nice to have that identifier break or the and Unity. I actually, I am actually quite a big fan of Unity, even though it is restrictive. It gives credence to playing certain cards for certain reasons. It makes people build their decks differently. You don't have homogenization of or cannibalization of themes to where you could just play all the best gold cards in the same deck or all the best red cards in the same deck or uh, purple cards, whatever you want to say. Cards you'd actually have to play within those themes if you want the benefits that they provide. So I, I, I'm, I like the I like the Wilderness tag. I like Unity. Yeah. And I think... The fact that within smaller brigades, the fact that they are willing to come out and find ways to create new identifiers is is pretty cool. And I think that's going to be necessary as we move forward in the state of the game just to keep, uh, you know, like squeezing everything into smaller brigades. I think it's going to be a necessary thing. And it's nice that it doesn't feel forced, that wilderness it doesn't feel like a forced thing. It just feels kind of natural that all these people that were in the wilderness are wilderness 
um, and doesn't feel overly forced. So hopefully they'll find ways to, you know, keep creating new identifiers as needed to kind of break up those brigades. But several of the changes that took place beyond just the identifier tag there, but there was some actual changes to cards that was done according to Chris, because in their testing at nationals, it seemed like the battles could for new players, especially could become confusing with the back and forth negates as things, you know, negated something and then became a battle winner and then you had to negate it. And then what does it undo? What is now reactivating all of that? And so there's still negates in the starter decks. Negate is not going anywhere. It's a, it's a staple of the game. I think this is one of the few games where things happen and then get, they unhappen. <laughs> they get undone uh, with a negate. A lot of a lot of games just don't let them resolve in the first place, and this yeah. one lets them resolve and then get undone. And it's kind of unique for what it is for redemption. So I don't see that going away ever. But you know, in the starter deck, you don't want so much of that to where it becomes confusing for new players. And I think the it, it's been really great to see that the elders, their main focus about these starter decks, even though we want them for sealed deck and we want them for uh, our own purposes of, like, for example, the the um, Philistine stuff, I was, there was like three cards in the deck. I'm like, oh, yeah, as soon as, as soon as these become legal, I'm playing this in a Philistine's defense. Uh, like the soul that was always a darkness. It was always yeah. like a turned on darkness for Philistines, and yeah. it got toned down a little bit, but it's still good. Um, mm-hmm. Goliath Spear was a negate, a card, and then discard this to discard a hero. Solid card. It was going in, and it's still probably going in the way it is because it's just basically the, the same as we had in the previous starter decks, just on the new card size and card face. So we, we all see these cards, and you grab, like, one or two things, and you're like, they're not going to be quote-unquote staples by any means, but you're like, oh, I could use that card. Um, mm-hmm. But we don't want just a bunch, of, a bunch of cards that excite the current player base. We want to excite new players, and I think the elders have done a really good job of keeping that the main focus here, and you can see that throughout the changes that they've made. But one of the other things that Chris mentioned and, uh, I guess you can, you can offer your thoughts on this if you like it or not. Um, I think I personally love it. It's brigade creativity. Um, being able to say that Abby Aether, um, or Abby, Abby Aether, I'm gonna, I'm going to struggle with that no matter what. But anyway, so, so somebody like this dude, okay. This dude was a tabernacle high priest. All right. Priests are losing teal and they're becoming clay. He's purple. Why is he purple? Well, because they wanted to tie who he is in this story back to his ties with David. And so they use purple, even though he's not royalty, to tie him in with David. And that's something that now is being a, you know, choosing to be more creative with assigning brigades. Hannah is not a prophet. She's a musician by identifier, but does not have prophet identifier and did not fill the role of a prophet in her story. But she gave birth to a son who was dedicated as a prophet or uh, dedicated to service for the Lord and became a prophet. So what is she? She has green to denote her ties to prophets. And I think that's really cool. And it's also a musician that's not white by default like musicians have to be white just several changes like that and i think that's really cool 
What do you think about them, them, you know, freelancing the brigades a little bit? I like that. I like, I like the fact that they're, they're taking a little bit more creativity is the right word for it. They're more creative, creative Liberty in the way that they're designing or putting cards into specific brigades because it opens up a lot more options for certain themes to have certain things. Uh, if you look back to the beginning of the game, brigades had little to no rhyme or reason. Um, they just were that color because they were that color. So you had like a red atom or like a gold. Uh, I think Lazarus was gold, but just because he was gold. And guaranteed it's going to mess me up in booster draft somehow. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And, and it's those, those old weird cards that had some weird, strange interactions because it was only till later on that they really started to define what a brigade meant. And I feel like they almost restricted themselves a little bit too much by forcing uh, the, the purple brigade to only be royalty and disciples, right? So only royalty and disciples can be purple. Well, now by association, if you're associated with those groups, we can have purple deacons, which would be really cool. Um, and then you have a Biathar, as he had, was very close proximity with David. He's also purple. I think that's a really cool idea. I think it um, it gives them a lot of options to have cards in a brigade that's built for a theme, but not necessarily a part of that theme. So you could have Stefan the Deacon um, and have him be... I mean, he could be... You could have him be clay, but I, I think it'd be cool to have it be purple. Even though he's not a disciple, he could still be purple just because he's associated with disciples. Yeah, I think doing that, obviously they're going to have to, you know, weigh the pros and cons of putting something in a brigade that it hasn't fit in before because you don't want to make some interaction, quote unquote, broken by having this identifier character now in this brigade. And I'm sure they'll they'll do a good job of monitor, monitoring that. But I'm definitely glad to see that they're they're taking a little bit creative reign with um, doing that now. Yeah. Um, in the article, it is confirmed, like I mentioned before, that brigades are being reduced. And then uh, we have the several changes. There are a couple of changes that are specific, uh, specifically laid out in Chris's article. So we won't necessarily go over those because you can just go and read that. Um, and then that forces you to go and, you know, check out Land of Redemption and see all the cool stuff there. But, you know, like ones like Goliath Spear, I mentioned, they took the negate off of it. Um, but then there's several other changes that he mentions there. But then we get into uh, this past week when they started doing some spoilers and not everybody was super active on those. So, you know, I don't know how many people have gone back and, and looked at them in great detail, but I wanted to make sure that we went over those, at least the changes just to, because I really do feel like every change that they made, I was like, Oh, I see how that makes these starter decks better for new players. Um, and not just new players also for like, um, younger players, but not just younger players. It just seems like people that are not as familiar with card games, are going to mm. find a lot of these changes to be 
better than if they hadn't been changed. Like if you had a choose the, what is it? Choose the blocker and someone's not used to card games. Like that's, that's a pretty big step up in a starter deck um, for the fact that we're, we're creating all of this pushing towards a battle phase. And then, Oh, well you're choosing who I come in with and he doesn't have an ability that's doing anything for me right now. So I think getting that out is, it's probably the right move. So most of these changes, I think, improve the the starter decks for the target audience of, of players that are not so familiar with card games that they can come in and just look at the card pool and pick up, uh, and then younger players. So first one was Philistine Raiders. It was just a you may draw two weapon class evil character. And then Egyptian Horseman was the other starter deck version of this, and that changed to... They're still generic characters, weapon class, kept the same numbers, but now you may draw two or take a first Samuel card from reserve. So they're adding reserve access on this character, which is never a bad thing. I think that having the ability to choose to take an unknown commodity of, okay, here's, I can draw two and see what I get, or I can take what I know is in my reserve. I think that's pretty cool for the starter decks. Yeah, um, and it's to, good to for teach that principle. Characters. Or it's good to, to teach new players about reserve as well um, and give them cards that intuitively point them towards them. Yeah, so I, I think that one's a solid improvement for that card. Um, now, taunting, taunting the Lord is one of those like fringe cards if you were trying to go like mono black and maintaining you know, just a single brigade. It's one of those that probably was going to see a little bit of a play every now and then because it negates a good enhancement and then becomes a battle winner. Like Chris mentioned, mm-hmm. some of the, the changes that they wanted to do was take a, a card that was negating and then not let it be a battle winner as well. So unfortunately that one changed and now it probably won't see play outside of uh, the starter decks for the most part, unless you're doing something where you want a high number enhancement because it does have six O as the numbers. Six right. zero, but it's now negate a good enhancement or bounce a hero. So it's either a battle winner or it's a negate. So now you can apply this in regular initiative to bounce a hero, or you can, you know, use this card in special initiative to negate the enhancement that is potentially removing you. So it's a card that now has a choice built in of how to use it. Obviously the timing is going to force you to use it one way or the other, like, you're not going to bounce a hero in special initiative. You're going to use the negate side of it. But having a card that works one of two ways teaches a, a little bit more principle about versatility of a card versus a card that does everything. Because uh, a card that does everything doesn't have a a choice built in to where, okay, I have to choose which way to use this card. Do I hold it to use for a negate later on, or do I use it to bounce this hero right now that I guess – at a certain point, you have to you have to figure out if you have a negate in hand, and if you want to hold this and use a different battle winner potentially, that type of thing that is a little bit better in my mind than just giving it all to a player. Yeah, it's like a it's like a less powerful stricken. Yeah, and it's 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 one of those things like we're talking about simple abilities and simple decks that are teaching a complex game. So I think it could somebody hearing this could be like, oh, you're reading way too too much into it. It's just they they watered it down just a little bit. 
okay, that's fine. But it's also teaching principles that are in the game uh, if you choose to look at it through that lens that are now in the starter deck that then translates over. The next one being Soldiers at AFEC is the uh, Philistine version, warrior class, evil character, generic, uh, negate a hero, and then it's abusive taskmaster for the other starter deck. But that changed to negate a hero, and then here we go with you may top deck an evil card from reserve. Now, this character doesn't let you take a card from reserve, but it lets you negate a hero. So now you might be deciding to go in with the Philistine Raiders that lets you, you may draw two or take a first Samuel card from reserve. So you might want the take there, or you might need to negate a hero who has, you know, given them card value. Maybe they drew and you want them to put the draw back. And then you only get to top deck the card from reserve. But now instead of targeting a first Samuel card, which um, an evil first Samuel card, this is just top deck an evil card from reserve. So it doesn't have to be from that reference. So now you're accessing the reserve to take, in the starter deck, probably taking the same kind of card, a first Samuel evil card, but different ways to target that card based on the scripture reference or now just based on the alignment. Mm. So that's that's cool to see. Now, I did touch on this one before, the lost soul that changed. It was like an always-on darkness. Um, if put in play, you may take an evil Philistine from deck. And I was like, dude, I'm so throwing that into a deck and playing it. <laughs> and you still probably, if you're playing Philistines, you might think about putting Outcry in. That's the name of the soul for the uh, Philistine defense. And then the Egyptian defense is Dread. At least I believe it is. Let me zoom in here. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Dread. But if put in play, now you may exchange a card from hand with an evil Philistine or evil Egyptian from deck. So now it's a cost. It's not just a free card, which all souls essentially have no cost because you have to put them in your deck. So it's not an opportunity cost of a different kind of card you could have had. And it was just a straight plus one before. And now it's, okay, now I have to exchange a card from hand for the best evil character in my deck basically since these are all Philistines and all Egyptians. So it, it, it teaches the value of what's in your hand and then kind of forecasting what evil character you may need for whatever situation you expect to face. And those won't be super clear initially the first like time or two that you go through the starter decks, but uh, after you play the starter decks a couple of times and you know maybe playing them in sealed deck, that becomes more, I guess, becomes more of a, a thing that you... You think about and apply to get the right evil character for the game state whenever that, that soul hits the board. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. And it's also uh, if put in play trigger. So it's not, um, uh, I, I believe there, maybe I'm wrong, but I believe there, or I thought there was a if drawn, and this is a if put in play. I could be wrong. There might be not. There might not be an if drawn. I don't have the starter decks in front of me. Um. Let me check. I think they were all if put in play. Oh, were they? But I thought. I, can, I thought I there was one wrong. if drawn, and I was just gonna say that there's another. It's it's still a trigger that you're teaching though. If put right. in play, you may, and it's an optional. So if they skip it, they just don't get it. Uh, a lot which, of these here are meek. So this one, Behold is if put in play. 
Um, oh, if rescued. If rescued. There it is. There was one that was if rescued. Yeah. So just a couple of different trigger types on souls. Now, the the next one is King Akish and the murdering Pharaoh. And these are Philistine king and Egyptian king, uh, respectively there. And they were negate band abilities, which I thought this would be one that they would want to change because if you're trying to make things less messy, okay, you come in with a, a band and now I negate band abilities, but you get to keep your actual ability. Like if you drew a card and then banned it or something like that, um, or top decked or whatever. Um, yeah. Then you, you have the, the thing of, okay, now I'm kicking everybody out, but you might get to keep an ability that, that happened as well. So just clean that up and got rid of the negate band abilities. And now it's, you may take an evil OT card from reserve. Okay. So now we've targeted the reserve as a first Samuel evil card, an evil card, uh, or uh, was it evil card? Um, top deck and evil card from reserve. Yep. Yeah. So we've targeted it for evil. Now it's OT evil. So you're you're teaching. It, it's almost subconsciously, but different ways to target the reserve based on references and now. When you get into the game and things reference, you know, the scripture, reference the testament, reference the alignment, you've seen all those in the starter decks now. And that's one of the things that, like, if you're not thinking about it for a teaching tool, you might not pick up on immediately. And maybe people just don't care, but, like, I like the fact that that's in there, teaching different ways to target the same card. Like, I mean, we only have a six-card reserve. It's not like there's going to be a ton of different options in there. You're going to have just a couple of cards you can target, but now they can be targeted a couple of different ways. The next one would be uh, no blacksmiths in Israel and make bricks. This is a territory class enhancement, so you still have the territory class icon on this card, so can still be used to teach about playing enhancements outside of battle. And it's, you may, uh, it originally was you may take an evil card from reserve or under deck a hero. And now it is, you may top deck an evil card from reserve. So you don't get immediate access to it. And then uh, still has the, or under deck a hero, which I think if you're playing it the right way, most of the time you're probably going to be under decking a hero with this card. Mm -hmm. Uh, Make them work to get back to their best hero. That's no blacksmiths in Israel and make bricks. Now at top decks versus just grabbing. And now we're targeting as an evil card without it being OT. Uh, This is similar to the other one before uh, where it's just an evil card and you're top decking it. So we will uh, move along here to the two cards that were added. And I am super excited about this, but I won't have all the fun, Jared. I'll I'll let you, uh, if you want to go over these, I feel like I've, I've been talking a while going through those others, but Tell us about this new card. Yeah, so I'll start with the first. Um, we have a curse in the Sutter decks. Uh, Goliath's curse in L and Pharaoh's curse in K. Um, the They're both single brigade, so and they negate uh, and discard a good card on their enhancement side and underdeck this card to underdeck a good card in territory on their artifact side. So both both of these um, both of these cards 
are very good. Um, they are negating and discarding a good card. They don't have any modifiers, which, I mean, is unfortunate, but I mean, we don't, you don't need a modifier to have an effect that's as powerful as a negate and a discard. So as an enhancement, it's already very powerful. Um, and the artifact, I'm, I'm not entirely sure the artifact will see a ton of competitive play, but it is really cool to show new players how to utilize an artifact as kind of an additional action that you can take during your prep phase. So you can use it to underdeck a good card in an opponent's territory, similar to something like No Blacksmiths in Egypt or Make Bricks. Um, you can use it to mess with your opponent, but in more ways. So be it their fortress or their character. Yeah, and the uh, the artifact side uh, lets it get under deck to do that so that you potentially mm -hmm. get a second use out of it. So it teaches about the cards that have the built-in cost of um, under decking themselves or shuffling themselves to do something, which is, yep. which is cool to see. Now, the coolest thing about these curses, I, I mean, I know you know what the coolest thing about these curses are. <laughs> and it's the fact that there is no snake icon. There's yeah. absolutely no snake icon. And it looks weird. You see it and you're like, what is this? This looks weird. But that's only because yep. we've had to look at that stupid, weird icon for so long. And people ask about it and it's like, why has this got a different icon than artifact? But it really just plays like an artifact. And then covenants don't have a special one. And so now just break all that down. Now it's going to be uniform that the artifact side is going to be artifact on both enhancements and, cur uh, I'm sorry, on curses and covenants. So you're going to have the enhancement side that's going to be alignment specific, and that's going to determine whether it is a curse or a covenant, and then just the artifact so that it's just a neutral card if played that way. And I think making them uniform and teaching teaching people in the starter decks to see them that way early on as we move into a new uh, phase. If you want to call this like phase three for the game, it's on the third phase, uh, our third different card phase and whatnot as we move forward. And this is the design principle from here on out to where they're going to look this way. I think it's cool to have that in the starter deck and teach that here, even though it's going to be a little a little choppy when they see the snake icon on some cards and you're like, oh, that's what a, a curse <laughs> is. I know that that's going to be, there's no perfect world, okay, but all we can do is plan for now and the future. We can only change who we are now and in the future. We can't change who we were. So yeah. uh, I think the game's doing that, and I think it's great to see that included here in the starter decks. Yeah, it's a nice change. I, I know that I was really confused about it when I first started. I thought curses, for some reason, were evil artifacts, and then... And then Covenants were not evil artifacts or something. They're just neutral. So curses got negated or curses were not negated by things like Obed. So I'd be like, oh yeah, I'll use curses because they, they get around Obed. But that was not the case. They just have a special icon for some reason. Yeah. Just have a special icon for uh, not some reason, for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a nice change. It, it makes everything a little bit cleaner. Yeah. You live and learn and, and, that's the cool thing about this game is you can see that it is completely different now almost than when it first started. And it's gotten gradually better with every change overall. 
to where the game now plays completely different than it did originally. And originally, no one would have looked into the future and seen this as the game state that we're in. But the game has just evolved and continued to be played and enjoyed by people. And, I mean, it just kind of is what it is. And, unfortunately, that snake icon was used at one time by someone that was designing cards, and it was not the best decision, or it was not implemented in the best way. And it could just be that the game didn't support around it, and the original intent was kind of lost. And then we just kept using the icon just because that's what it was. But it's nice to see them, you know, hey, stop right now in our tracks and change it to improve the future of the game. Yeah, I agree. And I think... Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think that leadership being in tune with that and, and focusing really hard on making the game accessible to new players from this point forward is going to be awesome. I mean, it's hard to forecast, but... Imagine 10 years from now we do another rotation and then it's just here forward as the, the the main competitive pool of cards. You get rid of a lot of that stuff. So even though it's kind of going to cause questions now, in the long term, it's it's better for the game. Man, what are we going to call that second rotation format? We have scrolls and classic. What's the other one going to be? You always ask the difficult questions, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna uh, call maybe, it maybe maybe the ones that don't have scrolls but don't have the shaded reference. We're gonna call it the the hymns house of rotation two. <laughs> oh, okay, gotcha. Well, speaking of uh, shaded references, we'll talk about the the second pair of cards that we got the fifty second card that's added to the starter decks. Those are the covenants: so you covenant with David and covenant with Moses. Um, Covenant David's in K, and Covenant Moses is an L. These are multi-brigade cards in the starters. Not that there are no multi-brigade cards in the starters, but this is significant because there was only one multi-brigade enhancement in the original starters um, that I can remember, and I think that one was dual alignment. Yeah, this one. That's right. I I believe so. Uh, I don't remember the name. I wish I did. I'd look at it, but... Evade was one of them. Evade was one of them. I don't know what the other one was. was. the Goliath one. Um, The, uh... Yeah. Um, But this is nice because we have another one. So they have a second one. It is... um, It's the same effect. It's a a mirror effect to the evil versions. They negate and discard an evil card. And then the um, artifact side allows you to underdeck... A first Samuel card, Covenant with David, lets you underdeck first Samuel um, hero from discard pile or reserve. So you have a little bit of recursion as well as reserve access in the starter decks, which is really cool. And then the other one, obviously, is an Exodus hero, allows you to put it on the bottom, Covenant with Moses. Yeah, I, I think this is a good point to uh, to mention the brigades behind the Bible icon on the enhancement side where they blend them now versus having mm-hmm. the line looks so much better. Uh, and it's it's one of those real subtle things, but also the way that now it, it transcends into the border. Like it looks like they're using that red-ish, uh, almost, uh, almost like a burgundy color for the artifact. Uh, yeah. 
but then you have green. It's also purple for the covenant with David. So you get green on the top, and then you got purple kind of in the middle, and then it fades into that that red for the artifact. And I think it's kind of cool to see the different borders. And now if you say, hey, like back back to the other question, why is this border like this? Well, that's because it's green, it's purple, and then it's got the red color for the artifact side. And then on the other side, you've got clay. And clay is kind of, um, I guess, if you haven't picked up on this, uh, you guys listening, because uh, we have the pictures here in front of us, but there's this yellow-ish border versus an actual clay border and that's being used for clay but then it transcends into the white and uh then the red at the bottom and i don't know if it just the the clay didn't look great and they're using that or if i I don't know but but knowing that it's that's what's being used maybe you're going to have questions of how come this one doesn't match the clay but whatever I think yeah. it's definitely an improvement still over the the borders that we saw at on the pre-release at Nationals last year. Having them color coded at the very least is nice. It, it's going to get a little messier once they start doing four brigade cards and uh, dual alignment cards with a bunch of different brigades on it. I'd love to see what the new um, dual alignment ones look like. Um, and then you have the the rainbow brigade cards. We'll see what those look like when they. They come out. I was actually wrong about the multi-brigade. There is another multi-brigade card in each of the starters. Um, for the good cards, you have Council for the King, um, for the K-deck. I don't know what the one is for the L-deck. So this will be the third good multi-brigade enhancement. And you might immediately think, uh, like if you look and if you've kept up with this, you know there's only one evil uh brigade in each of the starter decks so that's the reason that the curse is only a mono brigade versus having a dual brigade on the good side of the covenant and the Mm -hmm. other uh good enhancements that are multi-brigade because you do have two different colors on your offense um or your your rescue potential in the game so you have to match up brigades there and so you get multi-brigade there's no reason to have multi-brigade for the evil side because they're all just one brigade I guess with that, we'll move on to uh, national promos that came out. And, dude, <laughs> dude, don't even get me started. I am in, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on cloud nine looking at this son of God, okay? I've got, I've got a 2016 son of God. I've got a, a 2020 son of God with this artwork. Do I still want another card with this artwork? You bet you I do. And I want two of them. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to get to without spending a buttload of money and buying them from someone, but I need a collector's card to add to my collection, but then I definitely want to be playing this card. So the first thing that jumps out at you for first place national tournament promo is there is no ability on this card. There is no ability at all. So you get the full scope of the artwork here and I absolutely love it. Now, this can only be done with a card that is so universally applied to the game state to where as soon as you see Son of God, you know what it does. Negate and rescue a card. Now, there will be some people that say, does it negate and rescue or does it just rescue? We all know that every every Son of God in rotation negates and rescues. So, yeah. well, I, I mean, 
I hope I'm not missing something there and I misspoke, but ninety five percent of them <laughs> will just leave a little bit of a window for my error potential. But negate and rescue. What do you think about the design element of this? And then how good does that lamb icon look now that they've they've changed it up a little bit? Oh man. Everything about this card is amazing. Um, it should be noted that this will be foil. I think oh, they yep. said that. Yep. So it's gonna be this artwork, which is my favorite Son of God artwork. And it's it has no text boxes. So you get the full effect and it's foil. This card is gonna be crazy. It's gonna look so good. Um and it does whatever you want because it doesn't have a text box. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I play three woes again. Son of God can do what he wants. <laughs> yeah, Son of God does whatever he wants. Now, I will say that I was a little concerned initially, and I know at least a, a couple of other people that I talked to that was worried about the foil because last year at Nationals we got the foil, and if you're not careful with them, they scratch pretty easily. Mm. Um. And, uh, I mean, I think it's worth noting that the printer had just started offering foils. Um, Gabe mentioned that, I believe, when he was talking about them last year in the build-up to Nationals. So it was a new offering for the printer. And uh, I don't know how many people or how many customers they had take advantage of that to print foil products before we did. But the printers had a year now to work on improving their craft at that. And also, I was told by Mr. John Early that they are planning to put a, I believe it was him that told me, they're planning to put like a UV layer or something over it to mm. help with help with the scratching issue. Well, at the very least, I do know that the, um, the national promos from last year scrape really easily. Yeah, that's why I, even though I have multiple of them, I have not really played with them much because I'm afraid that I will waste it. <laughs> That's why you got to double sleeve them, man. But yeah, but then I don't want to double sleeve everything. <laughs> and then you get to where they, they stick out a little bit. But yeah, it's going to have a UV coating that should help with the scratch issue. That's good. So the goal is for them to be improved from last year. Now, the second place promo, this one went through. I mean, we got over 60 people voting twice. Or something like yeah. that. And it was all these souls. And everybody was pushing for theirs. But in the end, what won was a renegade rebel cowboy type image that was going to be used on a lawless promo. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, we can't use that. Um, as it turns out, that was done by someone that made it explicitly for a Metallica album cover that they didn't actually end up using, you know, shout out for all my metal heads, Metallica. Um, but it was for the outlaw torn and they ended up not using that. I did happen to, uh, I did happen to reach out to him and just be like, Hey, how much would that artwork cost? And it was way too much, uh, mm. for, for the game. So <laughs> I don't see us using that in the future. Um, so the vote was reopened and, Harvest Lost Soul. Um, I know some people said that it should have to wait its turn and Prosperity should get that. But if you see a star in the making, you know, if a, a, a NBA rookie comes out there and he's an all-star his first year and an MVP his second year, 
why can't the soul be an all-star its first year and an MVP the second year? And it just looks good. I think this one's actually going to look really good in foil because of the bright uh, light colors that I think will take a lot of light and reflect it. It has some good contrast, especially with that red. The red text would look really cool. I'm I'm super stoked about Harvest here. And Harvest is a really good soul because it allows you to create soul tokens and get around hand protection. So I agree. that is, I mean, I think it's always going to see play. That's a good one. And I'll let you, if you want to uh, talk about the third place. I know you really want to talk about the, the participation one. So <laughs> I'll, I'll just let you handle the next two here. All right. All right. So this is the only place that I placed the Nationals in the top three, which is uh, the third place. You have Reap the Whirl... Reap the whirlwind, whirlwind, whirlwind. Wow. That was harder to say than I thought it would be. <laughs> Reap the whirlwind. This is, a, this is a card from POC, Prophecies of Christ. Shuffle all cards in battle. You may take whirlwind from deck, discard, or reserve. Cannot be negated if one or more hero, or if, if one hero, if more than one hero is in battle. Man, this card is giving me trouble. Um, <laughs> it's just because it you're is, so excited <laughs> to get to the next one. Yeah, probably. The uh, It is a single brigade. It's brown. Evil enhancement. This card is very good. I, I do play a lot of brown. Um, I don't end up usually bringing it to tournaments because it tends to fall short. But this enhancement is one of the main that you play. It's like a scattered or a scattered sheet, but it's single brigade. So it doesn't get hit by a lot of the things that scattered and scattered sheep do. Um, things like Michael and Goshen. It still gets um, hit by the cross, but so does everything that's CBN. So, awesome card. The artwork looks amazing, and it'll look fantastic in foil. Should look fantastic in foil. Yeah, I think so too. So, um, yeah, I don't have anything else to say about that. Let's go to the next one. All right, here we go. <laughs> so, here we have. I want to say this is the first of its kind. This is the participation promo for uh, for Nationals, Angel of God. It is a dominant and a hero at the same time. Not at the same time, at separate times. But you essentially play it as a dominant because it begins as a dominant, and then it becomes a silver 712 hero. Um, the dominant ability says you convert this card to a hero for one turn, if a character is in battle, you may add that hero to battle. Um, it's character side, so once it enters battle, you get to negate up to X evil cards. X is equal to your wilderness heroes. So here we have a little bit of that wilderness theme being spoiled again, but it's on a dominant and the participa participation promo for nationals. This card is insane. It's so good. <laughs> it's a mini woes. It is. <laughs> it's 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 a woes that you can also use to win battles with and then bounce and use it again the next turn. <laughs> yeah. I knew as soon as it came out, I was like, yeah. Jared's going to find a way to bounce this. It's like doubt, but easier to bounce. Oh, man. Yeah, you can do so much with this. And then if they let you th um, three nails them on your turn, on their turn, I mean, you just put it back into your deck and fire it off again the next turn. 
So yeah. um, there is no there. It should be noted there are no dominants that let you win a battle by themselves. Right, Angel of the Lord lets you win a battle if you have a character. Crowd, crowd's choice lets you go and fetch a character. Be able to go and win a battle with. And then you have Son of God, which rescues a soul by itself, but not in battle. Angel of God um, is the only one that lets you do it by itself, but you still have to have a character in battle. So now it doesn't specify your character. It See, just says if I, a character is in battle. I knew you would pick up on that. Yeah. And then so it's not it's not by itself. It can't just you know go in, but. But it, it also makes use of that new wilderness uh, identifier. And the artwork on it is pretty cool. I actually um, heard that the game actually paid for commissioned artwork for this. So yeah. this is artwork that has been uh, you know, licensed for use in the game. And I think it's absolutely fantastic. Now... I don't I don't remember seeing it if this one was going to be in foil. I doubt it will be. Um, uh, Nicodemus wasn't, so I don't think yeah. this one will. But could you imagine this one in foil though? Oh, it's gonna with, be so uh, cool. With the the gold there right through the middle. That would make I bet it you pop. Gabe has one. I bet Gabe does have one. <laughs> Gabe Gabe probably has a foil of everything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at this point, probably just going crazy, uh, getting a bunch of foils, but that's really cool to, uh, to, to see them in an exciting way, create a unique dominant that is theme specific to get the most out of it, Mm -hmm. but also just, I mean, it just looks so good. Oh, it does. It's super cool. Yeah. I can't wait to see this on play mats. And, like, if we can get it on, like, card sleeves and stuff, this makes such a cool-looking card sleeve. I will redact one thing I did say. It can rescue on its own, because you convert it to a hero in your prep phase, and then you go to battle with it. So, it can rescue on its own. It's the only dominant that can rescue on its own. Um, in battle. In battle. Because Son of God can rescue on its own, obviously. So Yeah. So, I think those are some really cool promos. And I think that after a year of, um, I mean, we had the, the, the lost soul last year, but we had the big focus on King of Tyrus. And I think that was the, the really cool one and it's really cool. But then to balance it out, since this is a, a game where we're trying to showcase the, uh, the faith and the hero side of it to bring it back this year. And it's like, for example, instead of King of Tyrus and Nicodemus or, or whatever it was, you've got Son of God. And I know we've seen this one before, but not everybody has Son of God in this artwork. And this is by far the coolest one. Oh, um, so so cool. you have it. And then you have Angel of God replacing what was Nicodemus last year. And it, it focuses back on the hero side of things and the good side of things. And... They look equally as fantastic as King of Tyrus did last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that son of God. I, I mean, I really hope Jeremy can carry me to another win in teams. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm I'm planning on winning mine in in uh in five one. Hopefully. Okay, there you go. That's that's what we like to like to hear. But I guess that brings us to another thing that was mentioned in Chris's article, 
and that is Roots. Uh, if you guys don't know what Roots is, Roots is a side set that they have uh, worked on, and I believe they probably have they probably have most of the cards done at this point. I believe this was a special project that it was hinted that Marcus last year around Nationals was working on a special project, and I believe this to be that special project. I don't have official clarification on that, but I believe he was working on this to make sure some of those older cards that they would bring back in had the official new rulings to where it it had that um, more standardized wording on abilities and things. So I believe this is what he was working on. But anyway, we have heard a little bit about Roots and the fact that it is going to, you know, potentially fill some of the gaps that exist within rotation from themes that lost something and are not as playable now as other themes to try to get them more playable. Now, obviously, this isn't going to be a bunch of staple cards or anything like that. The focus is going to be on extremely functional cards, according to Chris, that are uh, functional while playing booster are sealed as well as easy and simple for new players to understand and use them, acquire them to build decks more quickly um, instead of getting the filler cards that are not even rotation legal or or, or are just IJ starter deck cards. So imagine opening brand new set. There's no super packs, I don't believe there will be because it's a 129 card set. So yeah, no super packs. Five new cards, and instead of, oh, here's a bunch of cards I don't care about, let me, you know, not do anything with them but let me instead now have roots back there to where there are extremely playable cards and cards that even if even if you don't care to play with them uh, and you're just a collector now you've got something else to collect that's not and you know the main set that's being released so at some point you may double up on you know in a year the chase sets if you enjoy the chase of collecting all the cards in a set Mm-hmm. So that's cool, but the fact that they're going to make booster draft more streamlined because I am tired of drafting a card, putting it in a deck, and then John Early using it against me because I I thought it worked a different way than it did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, having streamlined wording, standardized wording on those will definitely make booster and all of that. Plus, this potentially will be where the Fall of Man Legacy Rare reprints. Um, because those have uh, been hard to come by because they fill the rare slot of that set. But this might be where we get those. Now, some changes to these cards will be made for things like the retired brigades and also, you know, different wording. So if something ignored, you know, it might they might use that but not use the word ignore or something like that um, to where they clean up the way that abilities play out now. So... With that said, the fundraiser that they are going to be doing will be done not through Kickstarter, but will use more of a storefront approach where you can buy individual items or items that will be bundled ahead of time. As of Mm -hmm. right now, and I double-checked with Chris before we recorded this, right now $400 gets you everything that's available, one of everything that is available in this quote-unquote storefront. And... The goal is to raise funds to pay for roots, and it will be done in the following. If we raise 9000 
that will be 112 cards in roots. There is one thing to note with this tier of cards. If we get only 112, I believe we would get three new cards from roots, but still get two IJ starter cards or older cards. So this would not replace all of the filler cards, but would replace the majority of them. So you would get three and then two. So if we want all of the filler cards to be replaced, we need to hit at least 14,000, and that would be 168 cards created. There is one tier above that, which is 18,000, and that would yield 224 cards in the root set. And I think that's the goal, to have the most variety and to get the most cards into the card pool. If we could get 224 cards on top of a new set at some point, that just sounds like it'd be a lot of fun to work through and try to uh, to test out so many new cards at one time. Even though, obviously, these will not be on the uh, the crazy level of ultra rares and, and things like that that are in new sets. Um, I'm sure they will do a way to balance that out to where it doesn't offer too much power level on the backside of the, the new set for booster draft and things of that nature, sealed. So you have to keep that in mind. They're going to manage the power level on these. And another reason why I'm sure it was the the project that Marcus was working on is who better to make sure that they're balanced, uh, at least from a, a uh, ruling standpoint. So what do you think about Roots and, and are you excited for it? And also, do you think we can do this? Oh, I, so, okay, so I just did the calculation. So if 45 people buy the top option, the $400 option, you only need 45 people to buy the top option. We will hit the 8K 224-card cap. Um, nice. So technically, you only need 43, because I know you and I are going to buy the $400 option. Yeah, probably. So... Um, and I could I could probably count ten other people who could. So then it then it realistically it's going to leave. We need like thirty people, thirty other people in the community, uh, maybe twenty. Let's say twenty. We need twenty people to go for the four hundred dollar option. Now, of course, not everybody's going to do it. I'm really excited, so I'm probably going to do it. And I have I'm a single bachelor with uh, expendable income, <laughs> so I got a lot of I got a lot of money that I can throw at my hobby. So I'm excited. Um, to do that but i'm also excited to have these filler cards now i understand what they're saying they're filler cards the support cards non-staples so you know we're not getting auto to gideon or throne maybe we will get thrown who knows um but themes like joshua which are pretty light who could probably use a little bit more support we might end up seeing more possibly a changed spy because spy was in fall of man i'd be really excited to see because spy is one of my pet cards um but just the possibilities of seeing some of these older cards in new card format and then have them in those booster boxes i'm going to be buying so many booster boxes <laughs> yeah see. so so many booster so boxes. they're going to get you on the front end to donate the oh, 400 100%. and then they're going to get more than that from you buying the, the booster boxes <laughs> for sure but i w- i would like to clarify again 
if you are not someone that has $400 to give for this, but you still want some of the items, you will be able to purchase individual items. So it will be basically like a store. You go in, I want one of these, I want two of these. Okay, I spent 50 bucks. You've donated 50 bucks, and this is your reward for that. Yep. So it's basically you buying things to support the game. And these things are being offered from Cactus and Rob to promote, you know, people donating towards the the future of the game with this set. Now, 400 is what gets you one of everything. But obviously, if you don't want everything or you can't afford everything, there will be other things that you can get within. Hopefully, every every budget has something that they can get to support the game and to get some unique items that the game's going to offer. Yeah. Yeah, which will be which will be nice, and I I like the fact that um, those who have the ability to spend more can, um, and it's not forcing everybody to have to only hit one price point, which is the nice thing about Kickstarter is we can all work together to try to hit a goal, and you can donate as little or as much as you'd like. Um, I'm sure there's probably going to be a few people who buy more than one four hundred dollar option. I don't I don't have that kind of income to be able you to don't do have that. that kind of jingle in your in your pocket <laughs> <laughs> i feel you there uh you know don't judge me if i have to put it on a credit card for a little while <laughs> yeah what do you what do you think about getting a new eve you think they're going to reprint a new eve i, don't I know, know you're a fellow genesis enjoyer i would love to see another i don't genesis know card. man i was i was super excited when i thought that they would get rid of the love at first sight stuff mm-hmm. um in a way that dealt with love at first sight, but then we'd still have the ability to flesh out that combo for different things. Yeah. And I was super excited to use like Eve to come in and then fish the deck for all your evil characters. The, the legacy rare one. Yeah. Yeah. She and, does. She just says humans. Yeah. So she could go and fish for your evil characters and you're already getting your heroes out with your um, creation of the world. And then mm-hmm. they hit rotation, and I was like, ah, that was the one time I was going to play Eve. But I I don't know. I think it's definitely interesting to, like, start thinking about all the things that we could get. Like, I mean, Babylonians lost a lot, and considering one of their best cards is the Merchants mm-hmm. that requires unity for Babylonians, it's hard to see them getting play and you don't want to give them like all the chump blocks that they had before. Obviously right? you want it to be balanced, but I could see them bringing in enough things for them to be at least playable. I mean, even if they're not quote unquote good for meta competitive games, I mean, right now I don't even think they're playable as a standalone. Like if you're trying to build unity Babylonians, yeah, good luck being, comp- yeah. you know, super competitive with that. Or even just competent at times. Because it's really clunky to do now. Because it's set up to be kind of gimmicky a little bit. Because you've got the two that, that fetch a, an enhancement from reserve. With mounted forces and then conjurers. But then they got rid of the good enhancements for you to do chump blocks with. Obviously mm-hmm. you can still go and grab like confusion of, uh, confusion to get rid of their son of God or something like that. But... I don't know. It'd be nice to see see what gaps they fill in with different things. Like Daniel lost some stuff. Not that I I think they haven't been well taken care of, considering they got Michael, who's pretty strong for them. But evil characters that are Daniel. 
so that you could play like the full on foretelling angel. And maybe foretelling angel isn't the way that Daniel will play into the future. You know, that's that's another thing where elders can design uh, design the card cards for that theme in a different way if they want. Now's the time to change things like that. Yeah. Just the possibilities, though. I mean, we're sitting here just going through different things, and we could be completely wrong, and none of the things we talked about are in there. Yeah. But that just means the things that are going to be in there is like, wow, I didn't even think about this. Oh, it's going to be so I am cool. super stoked for Roots. Me and Brian Jones, uh, on the way back from Nationals, Chris and Tyler were, like, hinting at it. And Tyler is a little bit more in control of, like, Chris, stop. You told him they had, like, one guess. And we didn't <laughs> guess it. But we, we, we squeezed it out of him that there might be something to replace the filler cards. And then he made us wait until the announcement of Roots uh, was mentioned before with the potential for a fundraiser, but I've been, I've been stoked about something to replace the filler cards since before I opened the angel wars packs. When I first started, like Me before too. I even knew the game, I was like, okay, I don't like these cards. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I bought like a POC box, uh, yeah. prophecies of Christ box. And I got a bunch of the older cards and I'm like, man, I can't play any of this rotation. <laughs> yeah. So, Definitely excited for for Roots and what could be in that. Now, I will say, if you've been keeping up with the Discord, you can piece some stuff together with what I'm about to tell you. Now, I have not been given liberty to say anything, but I'm just going to say if you're an up-and-coming player, you're going to want to hold on to 70 bucks. 70 bucks, that's all I'm saying. $70 for this storefront when it opens. If you are an up-and-coming player, you want 70 bucks, and that's going to help you out in your deck building. That's all I'm saying. And if I get in trouble for that, I'm, I, I'll, put myself, I'll put myself on restriction, and I won't have a, a podcast episode next week. Oh, the tragedy. Uh, oh, no. But 70 bucks for you up-and-coming players, okay? Or for you greedy players, either or. Um. But before we wrap this up, because this has been a super long podcast uh, because of all the information, but I do want to touch on the brigade reduction real quick. Um, And so that we know from Chris's article that teal, evil gold, and also red, and that's the one that we hadn't been explicitly told before, even though there was potential hints out in the community for it. But teal, red, and evil gold are being phased out when it comes to future card designs. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, when Israel's, Rebellion comes out, and we've got the new set. Matthew all of a sudden only counts for seven and six brigades. He can only see seven and six. Because as long as those cards are still in the card pool and still legal for play, we have to acknowledge them as a brigade. So this really doesn't have any bearing except for on new cards as they are created. And then if we ever rotate again, and if we do ever rotate again, it will be probably a decade into the future when we have a card pool about the size that we had for this rotation. But even with the card pool that we had for this rotation, we're talking about roots because so many things were left out. So, you know, maybe it takes longer than that and a little bit bigger card pool. So those are just things to uh, to keep in mind. But that will put future card design at seven good brigades and six evil brigades. And this is a necessary thing to reduce the number of brigades to support with Rob going back to 129 card sets 
for the foreseeable future. So you got less cards you can make. Okay, let's not have to spread out and support teal or support red now, support evil gold. You take away that, and now you can focus more on, now you can give green something. You can give uh, clay something. Not that clay needs anything else right now. But <laughs> the point the point being, um, teal was cut due to low card count already within rotation, so it was already hurting. Um Evil gold was cut due to the confusion of having to specify good or evil when referring to gold. And then, you know, if a card says, you may take a gold enhancement. Is it evil gold? Is it good gold? Can you take either? Um, And then red is being cut because it has quote-unquote lost its way or become a quote-unquote catch-all for heroes that fought in battles. Oh, he fought in a battle? Slap warrior class on him, make him red. That's what Chris mentioned. Which... To the same point, I feel like that's kind of what's happened with musicians being thrown in white, but to a lesser degree because there's been less uh, cards that involve music than Red Warriors. And then I guess, let me ask you, because I had a question here, is do you think that Red would have would have been decommissioned for future card design if it had not been used to represent the bloodline in LOC and just have so much infusion of red into the card pool at one time through that set? Well, I don't know. Because, I mean, clay's kind of the same thing for or for Gospels, right? Yeah. So, like, every card in Gospels is clay. <laughs> and then in LOC, a lot of the cards are red because, well, a lot of the characters fought in battles um, in that time. But, of course, not all of them did. It just... They had red to tie into the bloodline like you're talking about. I of, of all the ones that are going away, red is the most... Um, I'm the most sad about red leaving. I understand why evil gold needed to go. Evil, evil gold needed to go because it was confusing having two things being gold. Teal, I mean, I understand why teal is going away. I like teal as color, but I mean, having it being absorbed into other brigades, nice. Because um, you can spread the priests around, you know, have a little bit more... Well, we don't know if they're going to be absorbing them into different brigades, but if they are absorbing them into different brigades, like we saw Biathar and um, I think uh, Aaron were in different colors, but they're both priests. That's nice having those in different brigades because now you can use um, some of the older artifacts with priests. So, for instance, I think Book of the, Law, Book of the Covenant doesn't specify the brigade of your priest, just as a high priest. Um, red, I mean, red is one of my, red is one of my favorite colors, um, in redemption, especially since Joshua leans a lot on red and then so does David. Um, if you're trying to do Voltron, David, you use red is the main color in the deck. You use red for most of your, it had to come back to Voltron, David, (laughs) it had to come back to Voltron, David, and you lose a lot of that. Um, a lot of the warrior class enhancements are red. So, or I guess uh, weapon class enhancements are red. And so you're losing a lot of that synergy. So I really hope that they bring red back. Um, I know Derek would love to have red back. And so if they're decommissioning it, I hope it's not forever. I hope um, in the future they'll bring red back in some degree. I think it's forever, big dog. (laughs) Oh, man. I will say that, and I was trying to answer this question for myself, is... 
I really do like the way that they used it to tie in the bloodline of Christ through lineage of Christ. I thought that was super cool. Yeah. Um, and if red hadn't been used for anything before that, it would have been even cooler. But, and I, I know that red tied in LOC and made LOC only a little bit more playable because you had a common thread between a lot of the, the characters and enhancements, especially the fact that you had the meek stuff so you could flip and then you could use enhancements that everybody on their meek side was red. Yeah. Um, so it, it just blended everything, even if you weren't playing into the theme-specific stuff on their ability side. So that was cool. But then I started thinking just if you didn't use that, would I think all of the, the premise of Chris saying that Red lost its way and it was just dudes who fought in battles, throw warrior class on them and, and paint them red. And I think that still exists even without LOC. So I think they probably still would have had the same premise, but would it have, without all of that infusion of red into the card pool, would they have been like, now's the time, let's go ahead and do something about red? That I don't know. Um, yeah. it, it's definitely cool to sit here and think about and try to figure out like what was going through those conversations that the elders were having for them to make such a big thing. And I think red is one of those that kind of hurts to lose just because name colors, name colors in the color wheel. One of the main ones yeah. is red. And now we're going to have a game that doesn't have red in future card design. Obviously, we're still going to have what is red now in the card pool. But, I mean, at a certain point, if we rotate again in the future, you know, 10 plus years down the road, I don't want somebody to think I'm talking about there's a planned rotation or anything. But having games without red as a brigade at some point, I mean, just seems a little a little weird since you're using colors to define those brigades. Yeah. But at the same time, I definitely see what they explain was the issue there. I mean, think about something like mighty men. Mighty men is a red warrior that bands to a green prophet or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, looks at hand does this. Now, what color would he be in if he wasn't just, Oh, slap, slap warrior class on him, paint him red. He'd probably be, I guess green because he was associated with prophets. I'd say purple because usually David's mighty men. Okay. Yeah, there you go. And then you start getting into some of the things they talked about in that article uh, that Chris put out of getting more flexible with brigades. And I feel like now you start cracking open the creativity because you could see that go a couple of different ways, what brigade yeah. he would be in. And, you know, you don't get that at all if red is there because you just throw him in red and that's where he goes. Man, just make all the red characters also clay. Also fuse, clay? You fuse, want clay to have everything. Two, <laughs> fuse the two colors. Give blue teal. No, no, I see what you're doing. You want to give you want to give Voltron David clay so that you can play him in empty tomb. I see what I you're could doing. Have, I could have a white clay David. And a blue red Zadok. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, what do you think the overall impact is going to be on future card design for us having less brigades? Like, I think the the pros of that in my mind when I think about it outweighs any negative because we are going to smaller sets. And like we talked about earlier, using identifiers as a subset within a brigade, even without doing unity, you know, if you X is number of your wilderness heroes. Okay, well, now you've got it built in to where 
it doesn't work for every white deck. So I think it just forces them to get a little more creative with the identifiers and subsets within brigades, um, while also still giving them flexibility to put characters in other brigades that have never uh, that they've never been in, which is cool. So I'm looking forward to it. But what do you think is going to uh, be the impact on future card design? So all right, so I can bring a little bit of my um, overall TCG knowledge into this. Um, there is a game called Card Fight Vanguard still going around, um, but they've gone through two or three reboots. Reboots, um, and one of the main re- reasons why they had to go through a reboot is because they had like thirty-six different colors, quote unquote. They were called clans. thirty-six. There were thirty-six different themes, and the way that they did it is that they would have practice. It was a, like a new release every month, and that release would have eighty cards or so. And those 80 cards would only be for something like six of those themes. So only six of those supported clans were of the 36 or so, it might have been eight, um, were supported inside of that. And so you'd have one come out every month. And so each theme would only get something like 16 cards in the new set when they're looking forward to it. And you'd only get uh, one or two of those a year. So you'd only get... Like 32 cards every year. Now, Redemption, not as big. We only have, what is it, 16 in total? Um, was 9 and 7? Yeah, 9 and 7 before the reduction. Yeah. So that's not as big, but now that it's going smaller and that our set sizes are going smaller, it does nothing but good for the game because it allows us to support the brigades that we have. Um and give them more support support overall with more consistent releases. And so though it does hurt that we're losing three brigades, it gives us the ability to focus and hone in on the brigades that we have without sacrificing on diversity, because like you said, you have those different identifiers, something like post-exilic or patriarch, that will allow for Themes within colors to still exist, even though they share the same brigade. And doing that over time will mean that you go less time in between support. So, like, even though you're, say, your wilderness, you, you, this wilderness stuff comes out, you eat it up like hotcakes. It's your thing. <laughs> and I'm never playing another deck besides wilderness. This is my thing. Okay. Well, now they're not going to support wilderness every set that comes out but white will get touched again for something else and you can grab a card or two that then helps you out but you can't splash the majority of it because it's a different identifier it has different um you know ways that it's played but still you get to grab something because you share a brigade with something that's getting touched on in a future set you know like purple disciples they're probably not getting anything for a while but if we start using, uh, going back to the uh, the royalty stuff as we as we go through, because, I mean, we've got David in the starter decks. We can assume that those brigades would get touched in the starter decks so that you have sealed packs to go with them. Mm-hmm. In the future, I can only assume that we're going to get some more purple stuff since it's one of the brigades in the starter decks. So if I know that and I think that leads to we're getting purple, you might not get something because it's, about King David and, you know, that time period, you might not get a lot of stuff you can use with disciples, but you might get one or two cards that you can use. 
and just that little bit of sprinkle in keeps everybody getting something so that they feel like they got a toy out of the new set, even though it's only 129 cards. But imagine, imagine if like teal was still a thing, 129 cards. How many of the cards out of this set is going to be teal? Yeah. Uh, Not many. How many out of the next set? Not many. And now how long before teal? And then the next time you do teal, you feel like you owe them so much that you have to not give stuff to other brigades because you need to give so much to teal. And then how do you do that in a power balance way to where you don't, you give them a lot to make up for all they haven't had recently and then not give them too much. Yeah. Cause I feel like clay kind of, it was, it was kind of, kind of to where they needed, they needed a lot because they hadn't been touched in so long. And then I feel like they might've got just a touch too much, but that's also because they were using clay as a connecting thing to show, uh, these characters in the Gospels operating through the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So that that might kind of push it a little bit, kind of like you mentioned, comparing it to the red in LOC. But it, feel, it feels like Clay might have got a little bit too much uh, as far as power level. Maybe not, but, I mean, that you tend to think that way just because they went without for so long and then they get all these toys. And, I mean, they've got everything. So. Yeah, the nice thing—the nice thing about the clay—and I think they did this really well. And I give props to the other team for this: is the characters that you want to be playing the clay enhancements on are not clay unless they're meek. So you usually have to convert them to their meek side or play them as meek to be able to utilize some of their um, some of their effects. So for, if we look at something, for instance, like. Um, you have Solomon's Dream, which was red in LOC. You have Spirit as a Dove, which is clay in Gospels, or Gospel. Um, most of those characters who want to be playing it are not clay by nature. You have to convert them to meek to be able to have them be clay. So um, and at least that way, it helps a little bit, alleviates a little bit of the pressure not immediately giving them all of the tools all the time. You have to make a choice. Yeah, and that also pushes the mechanical uh, application of what the card designers wanted to happen to where you're trying to showcase them using the the Holy Spirit to uh, operate outside of their... They're not operating out of their own ability. They're operating out of their meekness Mm -hmm. and having the power come through the Spirit, and that's represented through the clay cards. At least that's what... Uh, I gathered from the articles that Gabe put out leading up to the release of GOC last year. Yeah. And I think that's really cool to see it in application work that way. Yeah, I agree. I love it. It's so thematic. So I guess we're going to uh, go ahead and close this long episode here. I'm going to have uh, zero sleep tonight as I edit this. (laughs) Um, But definitely want to thank you, Jared, for coming on, uh, helping me out here in a pinch. Um, I mentioned previously, guys, that there was going to be some big news for the podcast. I'm still planning on big news for the podcast. It just was not quite ready to announce this week. But I do not foresee it not being ready for next week. So big podcast news coming next week. And, I mean, I guess with that, I'll leave you with the fact that Nationals is like 92 or 93 days away. Uh, it's getting here. We're, we're about to hit that 90 day mark, like inside of three months. Come on. You, yep. you, 
you got to start, you got to know what deck you want to play now. You got to start making your travel plans. It starts to become real at about this point. So definitely excited for nationals. We got to fire up that hype train and keep oh, yeah. it going. And, and take Jay off of his hype train. Cause right now he's undefeated and he's just going to keep riding that all the way into nationals until somebody beats him. Yeah. Well, I don't know, man, that deck is pretty strong. <laughs> It's it, pretty good. It is pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. So, and hey, I can't. He's he's a he's a fellow Bama guy. I mean, if he wins, if he wins, you know, more power to you. Represent Alabama. Tell him you're from Bama, not from Michigan. Okay, mm. you know. But definitely, thanks, Jared, for coming on and and spotting me here, going over all yes, this exciting right. news. Spoiler season is upon us. Now that we've worked through those starter deck spoilers, I mean, the only thing left for them to spoil is. Israel's Rebellion, and I am stoked. Make sure you guys reach out to your local elder in your area, or if you don't have one, you can call, collect, you can call long distance, reach out to an elder, tell them that we do want alternate borders back at Nationals, okay? That's what we're pushing. Alternate borders at Nationals, all right? Send them to their mailbox. Yeah. Physical mailbox. (laughs) All right. I guess we'll, we'll leave you here. Peace. See ya. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of the Threshing Floor Podcast. want to thank you guys, as always, for tuning in and listening. want to thank Jared for coming on and helping me talk about all of this awesome news. Hey, man, spoiler season's upon us. We've worked our way through the starter deck spoilers. We know the national promos. Now we get to start seeing some of that new set. And I couldn't be more excited. I'm excited about Roots. Hopefully you guys are excited about all of that information that we we discussed here and all of the bright spots to look forward to for the near future for the game. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how it unfolds this week. Maybe we'll get some spoilers, but we'll catch you out next time. Thanks for listening. Peace. <laughs>